0: Support for the Digging Deep ATV-MX podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, providing you the best tools for your grooming experience. It's time to gear up and get the gift or give the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped perfect package 3.0 included in this brand new perfect package which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season is manscapes new and improved lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created features an anti-accident cutting edge ceramic blade long lasting battery waterproof technology, and an LED light feature to illuminate grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 includes literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. Trimmers, deodorants, moisturizers, boxers, and more all included in this package. Tis the season to manscape, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect perfect package 3.0 get 20% off plus free shipping with code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com your balls will thank you get 20% off and free shipping with the code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code digging deep 20
1: Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV Motocross National Champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air?
0: What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 39 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. We have a really fun episode for you tonight. We have Nick Janusa coming up to talk TRX 90s, his turkey derby, and a real authentic look at current pro class racing from a current racer. We'll also have Josh Klein from PH3 Photos coming on tonight. We'll do some bench racing, answer some questions, give some predictions for 2021, and chop it up about an array of ATVMX topics. Looking forward to that for sure. And then we have rising star Zach Decker coming on to talk about his injury this past season, what his 2021 plans are, and we'll talk about the Decker training facility, of course. We have a jam-packed show tonight, so I want to get right into the meat and potatoes of this episode here. But first, we have to thank our sponsors who are all on board with us tonight. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Wieden Motorsports, the Decker Training Facility, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Avocado Green Mattress, Roman Health, Factory 43, and Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC. Support these great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. Whatever off-road gear or parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. Now, let's drop the gate on this thing, shall we? The 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Let's go. All right, guys, you asked for him, and we're stoked to get this guy back on the show. He's been here a few times now, brought to you by Namir Technologies and Bronco ATV and UTV Components. It's perennial AMA ATV Pro Class Top 5 Finisher, Nick Janusa. What's up, buddy? Thanks for jumping back on here with us.
2: Cody, thanks for having me, man. I'm always happy to come on the show. And speak and uh, see what the people want to hear. It sounds like they have a special request request this week. So,
0: yeah, I mean, we've gotten a bunch of uh, messages, you know, wanting to hear about the Turkey Derby. Um, you know, your pit bike ATV, you know, mini ATV, mini bike race that you have every year. And uh, we were just talking about that. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted it kind of leading up to the event. So I thought uh, since we didn't make that happen, we'd get you back. Uh, back on here now to talk about how the event went. So this past weekend was your annual Turkey Derby, like I said, pit bike, pit quad um, event you have every year. It looked like it was more epic than ever. That's what people want to hear about. You took, uh, you took the win over Joel Hetrick in the premier quad class. So first of all, tell us about the racing.
2: Well, if we want to go right into the racing, it was, uh, it was tough. And I don't know if you got to see, but we had a video come out that was sponsored by CST Tires, and it was a pre-show right before the event. And there was a lot of behind the scenes of what went into the event um, and what makes it to what it is today. So as far as the racing, like I touched in the video, um, Joel, obviously the race was between him and I. And not that there was any slouches in the class, but he's a very talented 90 rider and 90 riding and different 90 riding in general, I feel like is a lot different than 450 riding in so many ways. The, the aggression still there, um, but also in the video I mentioned, Joel has been on a, a machine that's not older, but, you know, it's a few years old, and he's been racing the same one every year, and I don't think it was helping him, and I think it was getting harder for him last year. So after we raced last year and I won, he was strong that, hey, I'm bringing in a new machine next year to beat you. So I was excited for it because I liked the competition, and I could tell that I definitely had the advantage last year. Not that anything was done to my quad by any means. I always welcome someone to really protest my quad, and I I throw the offer out there all the time. Um, But I knew that the new quad would help him because once you beat something like anything else – I mean, I know loose is fast, but when you beat something down, after a while it starts to go a little bit slower. So the race was very even. I I thought it was absolute fair game. Um, The GNCC guys talked Joel and I into starting – back row for our main event because we can only fit six wide and there was 12 in the main so you know i've heard all the excuses from some fans and some haters out there and this was as fair as it got i mean i i started back row with joel and everybody because everyone always complained you know i got one the heat race starts up front gets the inside and see you later nick janusa so it's been funny because no one's really said anything since and everyone's been pretty quiet and i knew i would do that so it's uh it was tough, though, because Joel and I started back row, and we just uh, we put on a show what people wanted to see, and by any means, it was not easy. It, I was absolutely trying. Um, after I made the move on him, mean, he made one or two mistakes and then threw in the towel, which I was a little bummed about, but you know, I was going to go till the end, and he knows that. I mean, I kind of get it, but I, I wanted to see a little push from him after I got in front of him, but it, I didn't think I got him until like lap five. It was interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the battles, uh, as you're coming, you know, up to him, I saw it on a live stream. um, And I watched it twice, actually, because it was the battle was so good, um, where you're trying to stuff it in there. And and, uh, the lines, the split lines that you have make the interesting, uh, the racing so interesting. Um, You know, it it just it looks like an absolute blast. So, uh, so I guess I'm curious on what you think makes you so damn good on the TRX-90? Because, I mean, you're the guy. You're the guy to beat on a TRX-90. So what do you think uh, makes you, you know, stand out like that? I like the attention
2: this whole event has brought, not only me, but to the mini quad side of the world, because I feel like it's such an underestimated source of training, and people could say whatever they want about it. It's gotten me as far as I have in pro A to B motocross. And, and that's not my, you know, full-time training, but it's always been something that I've been so involved with 90 riding and I've taken it to the next level. And I built this in quote Peewee track on steroids in my backyard. And it was just easier to ride that forever, but it's taught me so much because number one, they're very slow. And number two, they have no suspension. So you got to learn two things from that. Number one, it's momentum they're slow and number two because they have no suspension you've got to learn how to ride smooth my track is very technical they have whoops that will absolutely put you over the bars if you're not good and we saw it happen many times over the weekend and you know it's it comes down to who's the smoothest on one and who can be perfect you know it's not such a fast pace like it's fast but it's not such a fast paced race it it really teaches you perfection and i You know, people say to me, you know, if you can beat Hetrick on a 90, why can't you beat him on a 450? And I think the 450 is hard in its ways. And hear me out on this, the way I'm going to explain this. I feel like the 90 riding is harder that because it's slower and because everybody's so even, it makes it harder. And I feel like the 450s are easier to separate because they're so fast. And sure. you make a mistake so easily. So, the field, you know, for someone like Joel, and I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm talking him up for yep. sure on the 450 side. Yep. For someone to be as perfect as he is on a 450 is very difficult because of how erratic the bikes are. Um, and I, I take a lot of it and try to shift it to my 450 uh, program. But, you know, it, I think my dominance comes from just having so much time on them and really like I break down everything and I try to be perfect on one and now hopefully I can bring it to the 450 side having my new track now that I just got this year finally in yeah a little midway through my pro career if you will I'm I'm excited. I just I feel like my dominance just like anything else it's it's time into it. Yeah a lot, that's a that's
0: lot right. of time into it that people don't see. So. Right, right. It's really interesting to hear you talk about how um, the TRX 90 and, you know, the stuff you learn there and your riding and your style and everything kind of translates like you almost translate it to the big bike. So I feel like uh, I feel like that that's really interesting because I don't even know that anybody would expect to hear that. Um, but you're exactly right. Like spec racing, basically, where everybody is riding the exact same machine, like you see it in cars or I don't know, go karts or whatever. Um, you know, kind of, I guess, similar to the, you know, some of the stock racing we now see in ATVs or whatever, but spec racing is cool. I've always thought that that's cool because now it's all on the rider. It's all on the driver, right? So that's kind of what the pit quad racing is like. It's like, okay, because I mean, we're racers, right? So it doesn't matter if you're going you know, 60 miles an hour or 10 miles an hour. As long as we're all on the same stuff, uh, I feel like the cream is going to rise to the top and we're, you're going to find a way to enjoy it. You're going to find a way to to have fun doing it. So um, that's what I think is cool about the, the pit bike stuff, uh, the pit quad stuff, is that you know, it's kind of like spec racing, you're all on basically the same machines. And that's what makes it interesting to me asking you why you stand out is because, hey, we're basically all on the same machines. And Nick Janus is the baddest guy there is. Uh, So super cool to hear, you know, you talk about that. And like I said, how it translates to the big quad.
2: Yeah, I've I've had no choice but to translate to the big quad, because obviously, I'm way more active on the 450 side of things. Um, It's, it's just how my riding's been. And, again, I'll say it again. It's just time into it. And if we want to go back to the 450 class here, I think, I think there's a lot of separations in pro ATV motocross. And I think we're so close in the 90 riding because the bikes are really that even. And I'm not here saying that a Chad Wienan's bike is so much better than mine or a Joel Hedrick's bike is so much better than mine. It's just our setups, you know, it's a pro production class, but we have a lot of mods and a lot of different setups, which gives advantages and disadvantages to each setup. And I I feel like that's why no one's been able to touch Joel and Chad is we're, none of us are really on the same stuff. I think if you put us all on true, true stock Yamahas, not the little mods, I mean, true stock Yamahas, I still think they'd be first and second, but not by as far, not nearly as far as they are now. Um, they have very strong programs and I think it shows. Um, that's why I always liked my race, um, the 90 race, because it's such a slower pace, but man, like everyone's getting into it. Then GNCC guys are coming here and they're very good as well too. Um, and they're tough to pass. No doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we started back row. I mean, this was, this was fair game over the weekend and Joel even started to the outside of me and beat me to the first turn. And he was, In first, when I was in uh, third or fourth, I mean, I I had my work cut out for me, too. I mean, you could watch that video from probably five different angles where people had the whole race. It, It was cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was very cool, and and um, somebody from a thousand miles away, uh, like I was, I could still watch the event, and was pumped to, to see it go down. So that was exciting. We could do a whole episode, uh, Nick, on you talking about or us talking about um, some of the discrepancies because you're exactly right. Like I've always, you know, I've always been, I've been passionate about my feeling for it's it's apples to oranges within the pro class because there's people you know, the budgets and and, uh, the support and all these things. I mean, somebody like, you know, like you, you put together your own program. And then there's, there are guys out there, even, you know, not necessarily the guys at the very top, but there's guys out there that, you know, whether they're paying their way onto a team or, you know, however, all of those intricacies, but that basically just show up at the track and race. And that's not what you do. That's not what I ever did. And then, like, you know, and, and again, taking nothing away from the top two guys because Chad, he runs, you know, he's running his own program, but the support that he has is, you know, second to none. So, um, going back to, I've, I've talked to myself blue in the face about it on this podcast, but it's very difficult too, because when somebody first comes into the pro class, you have to race against Joel and Chad, you know, you don't, you don't get to race against the lights guys when you go, you know, like when you go pro on, you know, two wheeled motorcycles, um, and motocross of that kind, when you become pro on an ATV, you're racing the best dudes in the world. And it's so apples to oranges, you got guys like, you got guys like Wes Lewis and, you know, he did really good this year and he was riding the same bikes that he's ridden for years. And it's like, think about that program and then think about your program and think about Joel and Chad's and all, you know, how different all of those are. Um, You know, that's one thing about our sport that is, you know, it's, it's cool. It's awesome that everybody can coexist. Everybody can line up on the stuff that they got, but it's, it's not a level playing field necessarily.
2: I, man, I would love, love, love to have a separate episode on that because I will 100% tell you how it is and what I think about certain things. And it's honest opinion. And I'm not going to bash anyone or bash myself or make excuses because it's not about that. It's about the differences in our programs and why I think some guys are better, whether it be their discipline, the monetary backing they have. Um and and I could I could really go into depth of what I think. I mean, going into my seventh year of pro class, I mean, I race with these guys every weekend, and I could truly see what makes their program and them a lot better. But we could okay. we talk tonight, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's kind of bookmark that though, because that is something that I want to I would, talk about. I would love to do a full episode on that because awesome. I, I can hit so many points of very honest opinion straight from me, no BS. I, I'm. I ride myself. I'm no filter on some things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what? And I'm always careful because I never want to go too far down the road of like, like uh, you know, there's always people that are uh, like, so so every time I do a question where people can send in questions, uh, people want to know, well, how much do you get paid for winning a race? How much do you get paid for winning a championship? How much do these guys make? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I I could be the honest guys
2: not make us look bad or not make us look like we're you know all millionaires there's there's a very thing that very true facts that a lot of people miss yeah
0: see and I hate to I I hate at times to even bring any attention to it because it almost seems negative but that's definitely but that's
2: I could point out a lot of positive stuff but I again I got it the people need to know and I think a lot of it is everyone's trying to not hurt the other guy's feelings and there's a yeah. way to explain it and be professional about it. And again, I feel like okay. I can do that with you. Awesome.
0: Time. Awesome. Well, let's do that. Let's we'll use this as a teaser. We'll do that going forward in uh, the coming weeks or months, but uh, let's talk about again, let's focus back on the, the, the Turkey Derby a little bit because you referenced the the CST video that they sponsored and everything. I want to hear a little bit more, um, you know, Because like you said, the event's gotten so big. I can't even imagine all the work that goes into making this thing happen from sponsorship for the event to the beautiful facility, the track that you have, um, you know, handling all those people at your house, everything else. It's truly incredible that you pull this thing off every year.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I mean, let's start with the CST video. So years past Rip It Up Films has made the video for us and this year in specific, you know, it's had the most attention it ever has. And I think after this year, it has even more attention. And we've started to get sponsors involved because I really feel like this event is so valuable to whoever is part of it because of how many eyes are on the event. It's a fun event. It gets a lot of attention. It's all of us pros, you know, uh, in quote, goofing around, but we're all taking it serious on a scale that we can race with kids and it's all the classes together and I think that's where the interaction um attracts all the fans in my opinion is the pros are racing with kind of we're all thrown in the same class which is pretty cool um so the video was very different than years past we put a lot of time and effort into um having it look a certain way you know there wasn't so much race footage I mean if you watch that pre-show I mean that looks like a documentary on the vet because that's what we wanted. We wanted We the story behind it, the ins and outs of how it started, how it, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch it, but it had video clips of me when I was like 12, 13 years old, riding at my old house. Um, it, It was ground up of how it's, how it's evolved to what it is. And the video I say, and still that it was never really the intention to go as big as it has. It just escalated to that point. It just certain things got big and it really got big when, Chris Borch started calling me out because we've been friends in a funny way. Yeah. And then him and I put on a race and then Joel Hedrick joined in. So I was like, all right, well, let's get Loop here from Rip It Up Films to videotape this. And then it was like three years ago, it started to get really big. And now we have such a great video from Rip It Up Films, um, that CST video yeah. that we have – just great ammo going forward to sponsors and exposure to the event. And I have some big plans with it in the next two to three years that I don't want to say just yet, but I I want to get it as big as possible. I mean, not like insane, but keep it all in context because I really think it's such a valuable event to go, you know, to something really big. And I love the quad and bike together on the same day stock um, engines and not crazy modifications. I think it's just what makes the event amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we do some, so we have a, we have a big pit bike race here uh, every year and it's a couple hundred entries. Um, But that's the problem here is, it's turned into it's almost like a big bike deal where you have to have like the 140 style frame, right? Which was what I have. But you have dudes that have ten thousand dollars or more in their bikes, and I I still run stock suspension, but that's my biggest downfall. Is uh, some of these dudes get through the ruts and the the rough the rough shit a lot you know a um, lot better than I do because they have like CR85 chassis basically and. And so it's a blast. It's still a blast. Like I, it's my favorite event of the year. So I can't wait to make my way out by you and race that thing one of these years, but that's what you're doing. Right. I guess is where I'm going with this is that everybody's on pretty stock stuff. It's pretty, pretty um, like I said, kind of like spec racing. I like that because over here uh, at our pit bike race, it's, it's like people are riding souped up chainsaws. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. It, it, it keeps it very even. And to your point, like the 85 chassis, that's what people just dumping big, uh, not big, but big, pretty big money into their pit bikes of bigger forks, longer swing arms. I like our, I like our stock race. And yeah. the more that it, it's gotten very competitive. And I think every one more year I've beaten uh Hetrick has made a lot of people, you know, it's, it's funny because it's not really how I wanted to experience it in a way, but you know, I'd love to be winning pro class. And clearly no one ever likes the guy who wins. Like people don't like Chad Wien and when he was winning. And then you could start to see now uh, when Chad took a championship back that people weren't liking Joel for that year. or So just nobody likes the guy who wins. So I could see a lot of hate and negative comments and like a lot of people bashing my, me and my event with the excuses, but I look at it as number one, I'm doing something right. And number two even if I get beat one of these years, it's going to make the event look, hey, Nick finally got beat. But it, it doesn't matter because it's all the exposure into the event. Any exposure is good exposure. I mean, I'm not going to let it go easy by any means, but I think every one more year I win, people want to see me lose. So it's more eyes on the event. And that's what I love so much about it is the more I've won, the bigger it's got because somebody want, somebody. Everyone's trying to beat me at it right now. And I think I have the bar set pretty high, but like anything else, any sport, nobody wins forever. So eventually I'll get beat. But I think it's, it's been fun up until this point, I think, and it's still fun, but it's, uh, it's why I think it's getting bigger because the same guy keeps winning in and it's all eyes on that person. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's taking on a persona of of itself, I feel like. So I, I like that. And like you said, um, you know, kind of having everything pretty stock means that it's all about the rider. I like that. Um, you touched a little bit on, you know, uh, Turkey Derby 2021 and you got big plans for the future and stuff. I did read, right. That there's a, there's a bigger, there's a, there's a change coming for next year. Uh, correct. Yep. So unfortunately it's
2: not at my parents' house here anymore. Um, you know, and it's where it's been for the last six years. And man, I'll tell you what it's, it's very hard to top this place track wise. I mean, I've, I've built probably eight or 10 other tracks for people, mostly locally. I did that one down at Decker's place, which came out amazing, but just the property here in the dirt has been very hard to beat recently, but I have pretty decent machine skills. I think on a skid steer to build tracks and I have a good eye and vision for my new track and I have a track built now. Um, it's uh, slightly bigger than what mine is here. It's at my new place, which is about 30 minutes away. I have a big bike track there where I train now. I'm starting to build my house there in January in about four weeks. So that'll go pretty quick. So hopefully I'm living there. The goal is to be living there this time next year. So I can, um, and it's why we didn't have, even though I have the track, it's why I didn't have it there this year, because we have so many accommodations here, my parents and access to everything. It's just a track there. It's just land right now. Well, yep. so I'm hoping that this house goes fast. We're on schedule with everything. Um, so the track or the event's going to be moving there. And I think it's going to be just as good. It's just going to be very different. Like the whole property looks different, but we're going to bring the same energy, the same excitement, the same level of course. It's just, it's a different piece of property. So it's going to be a different course, but still built by myself. So I, I'm not going to make anything that's not up to par. I mean, I'm very picky and it's my event. So I'm going to put 100% my effort into it to
0: make the track and the whole parking and everything as best as I can. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that everybody looks forward to that. Obviously you've created a, a quite the image on what people should expect for this thing. So we don't expect anything less, even if it's at a different location. Now, another thing I want to touch on is the, the moto fight club master of the, the pit event. Um, I recently learned that the ATVs would be included and I've tuned into the moto fight club. Um, you know, the moto fight club that they first had uh, the flat track fight club when that happened. Um, so I was already pumped for the, the pit bike, Fight Club right and uh, now we know that there's going to be many quads involved and you're going to be there too uh, from what I uh, can gather tell me about how all that came about
2: um so Johnny Gallagher he ever most people know who he is but he's a GNCC legend um very active in outside activities and the sport and small events and whatever else love the guy he's awesome so he called me uh probably probably six or eight weeks ago and he started talking about this event. Um, it, it wasn't set in stone yet. It, it, was, it didn't sound like a pipe dream, but it was just, um, you know, talks. And then he kind of went quiet. Not him, but the event um, coming together kind of went quiet for a few weeks. And I didn't really hear anything, so I thought it was off. And then about two weeks ago, it was – they got their budgets and they got their everything together, and it's a Ryan Villapoto event. And I, I committed to it two months ago and then I, okay, it looks like we're back on. So listen, all I know right this second is somebody, whether it was Yamaha, it didn't sound like it came right from Yamaha. It sounded like a sponsor put the money together to buy, excuse me, six quads through Yamaha and their Yamaha Raptor 90s, which I have about zero time on. So I have really no idea. Um, anything of, you know, and, and I'm pretty picky with my pit bike set. Like I like to know where the power is, like just the way the bike feels. I don't care how slow or fast it is. So it's going to be another uh, very even playing field, I think. And there's six of us and there's no slouches in the race. As far as I know, it was myself, Joel Hetrick, Chris Borich, Johnny Gallagher, Walker Fowler, and Cole Richardson. I think that's us six. Yes, so,
0: that's what I have down
2: here on the paper. Yeah. Joel and myself is A to VMX and um, the other four GNCC guys. I think Joel and I have the slight advantage, being A to v motocross guys, and we've been the dominant mini guys. But I do not count out the talent of the GNCC guys and the aggression. They're not afraid to rub. I know that. And this is, I mean, this is even. I mean, I think. Um, coming into this. I mean, if you want to look at it, that I have the best advantage because I have the most mini quad experience. But number one, this isn't on my track. I have no idea what this course is like. I don't know if it's going to be follow the leader. I don't know if it's going to be really legit. And these are all in quads that none of us have ever ridden. And they're automatics too. So, you know, I'm going to the event. Uh, I'd love to win. And that's the goal. But um, you know, we're here to put on a show. And I, I think regardless of how even if the quad is not great and we don't love it, you still put those six fast guys on that quad. I, no matter what the track, it's going to be interesting. And I'll tell you that, and there's no secret that it's going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So this is a so this is a curveball because uh, before the interview, before the interview, I didn't realize that we're on Yamahas, we're on automatics, we're on totally different program than what you're used to. So um, this is a like I said, this is a curveball, but. Nick, so originally I'm like, man, this is this is this couldn't be a better event for you, right? I'm thinking he's the the mini quad, you know, god basically. He's gonna be able to do it on the big stage, pay per view event, you know, sponsored by Monster Energy, uh, part of this Ryanville Villapoto thing. So now that I know that it's on different quads, it's kind of like this is your opportunity to prove the skills that you do have over all the other people on mini quads. That's how I feel the way you know
2: and listen i'm definitely a little bit nervous i mean i have everything to lose right now it, it, well, I mean, it's, it's, fear, lose. it's fear of the unknown right, like, right. i mean I, i'm laughing at it because i i love that kind of excitement yeah and, and just well, in, you, no matter what the type of racing is like when, when you're dominant in something and I have everything to lose it's a, it's a pressure but it's a good pressure we and, feed we feed on that nervous anxiety you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I would have loved to bring the Honda 90s because I'm just very comfortable on them. I have a lot of time on them. But, yeah you know, I I wasn't sure on the event, man, do I really want to do it? But it's one of those things that if I don't right now do it, I'm going to have a lot of people, you know, why didn't you show up? You should have showed up. And uh, probably some regret, regret and I don't want to miss the opportunity to meet the right people or be not seen by, you know, the right people. Yes. So I feel – um you know, it, this is another very even um, race day, very equal. And I think if, if I lose this, you know, it's, I'll definitely be a little bit bent out of shape, not happy, but if I win it, I mean, really what's next? What what, what can anybody say if, if I win this too? I mean, this is still another event and this is so out of my type of mini quad racing i don't again i have no idea what kind of track this is this could be just you know whoever gets the whole shot and you're taking insides the whole time which makes things very difficult
0: yeah i mean the, um, the, the the moto fight club events so far have been so good like as far as you know the track design and stuff like that i gotta believe that the track should be d de- i mean i know it's going to be made for for pit bikes but you know there's going to be some corners that are set up for takeouts and there's going to be there's going to be some stuff
2: it's going to be good. And I hope I can win because I like to, and again, if I, if I can win this again, it'll be even more eyes onto myself, which just brings more attention into the event and brings more people, you know, pointing their finger, beat that guy, which I like because it's, I want to bring that um, entertainment side of things to the mini quad to the mini quad world. Cause again, I just feel like it's so underrated of a level of racing when you put fast guys and pro guys on them it's just it's freaking awesome i love it yeah for sure you just bring so much
0: attention to that type of racing Agreed. I think some of it is too, is it's so few and far between, right? I mean, you're yeah. there, there's not events like this. So for, uh, for the ATVs to be included in the Moto Fight Club thing, like you said, I think it's an op- awesome opportunity for you. I think it's an awesome opportunity for ATVs in general. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a blast for you guys. Nobody's going to want to miss it. Moto Fight Club, Master of the Pit featuring this guy, Nick Janusa, um, you know, Joel Hetrick, Walker Fowler, Chris Borich, Cole Richardson, Johnny Gallagher on the quads, um, you're not going to want to miss, like you said, Ryan Villopoto, Carson Brown, Willie Browning, and the boys on many bikes either. So, um, be sure to tune into that. Our guest, like I said, Nick Janusa, he's got to come in as the favorite. I know it's a different quad. No, it's a different track. I know it, uh, you know, I know it's totally different deal, but, uh, based on your track record, you got to be the favorite. Um, while we have you, Nick, I'd like to talk about your 2020 ATV motocross season for a moment. You referenced it at the beginning of our talk here. Um, but down the stretch, you were one of the riders. That I was most focused on. Uh, we all know the story. You've been fourth or fifth in every championship you've ever entered as a pro. We predicted at the start of the season that this may very well be the year um, that you had the most competition for that spot. And it was made exponentially more difficult for you with a couple DNFs, but you went on a run at the end of the season. Your back was up against the wall, and you claimed it. You claimed your top five finish again. Um, that's clearly a, a spot that you've, uh, you've taken, you know, in what would it have been, 2015, and you've hung on to it um, every year since then. And given the opportunity, uh, given the circumstances, I have to believe that you have to feel pretty good of – you know, all that you overcame um, this season? Because I think even at one point, you had your doubts a little bit. Well, for sure, number one, I, I'm definitely proud to have done it again.
2: Um, number two, just, I had such a sour taste in my mouth right from round one. Never in my career, especially pro career, have I dnf the first round and started last in points, caught up three rounds, and then had another DNF. I mean, I just – I, the, the, this entire season, I, I was, I was n- never where I wanted to be this whole season. Um, you know, and the two DNFs were out of my control. It just, the way racing is sometimes I'm glad I got to capitalize it on the end and people could say that, you know, I got lucky at the end because uh, Myers was ahead of me, you know, in points up until he had his last race, even though we were tied coming in points and coming into the last race, he may have crashed, but am I lucky in that aspect or are they lucky that I DNF two races earlier in the season that set me back, you know, and, and I love Alan, a great guy. I'm friends with him, but you have to look at the whole picture of how my season went and it it just, the whole season, I felt like my back was up against the wall. And 2021, I I know is going to be a lot different from um, a couple of things. Number one, having my own big track, I feel like will help me a lot. Um, I've never had that you know I've gone down south in the winters and then came back home and really just rode sand pits and now finally being able to clinch a track in the midway point in my career uh, pro career here is um, you know I feel like definitely an advantage not advantage but it's definitely a source that I feel like I've lacked the whole time you know I come into round one feeling sharp the riding's there and I come back home and then it I'm still riding, but I'm not on track. So my sharpness slowly fades away unless I want to live on the road for eight months of the season, which I'm telling you, you know, sounds good. And some, some people to each his own enjoy it, but man, like there comes to a point until you do it and see, you know, the routine. I I love the grind of racing, but there comes a point where you'll go backwards of draining yourself. Um, of homesick, being homesick, which I, I tend to get sometimes almost every year. And everybody's family situation different. You know, some people I talk to, they're like, man, if I could be on the road for 10 months of the year, I wouldn't. And then other people are like, man, four weeks and I want to be back in my house. Me, I'm kind of like, I'll get my training in. And I, I like to be in touch with my friends and family. It's just how I am. Um, so again, having a track, I'm going to go back to being at home now and being able to, not get that homesick feeling of being away for months at a time and having that access to train, I think will help. Um, Got a starting gate now. Now it's in the facility and starts just whole shots, whole shots, whole shots. And I need to be nailing those. And I feel like that could help me a lot. And if I could have a strong season of uh, hopefully no DNFs and no crashes, I think I would love to see myself in that top, uh, top three, hopefully, you know, T Brown's out. Um, I know Ford's going to be hard to beat and there's no slouches in that class by any means, but it's, it's going to be tough, but I'm ready for it. And I'm looking forward to
0: the battles I have ahead of me. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, that's where I was going to go with this, you know, as we, um, you know, we looked at 2021, but even prior to that, I mean, you got this track, um, from as far as I know, you kind of got this at the end of the season, you know, kind of towards the end of the season. And as you're um, talking about having this track, you're starting to post videos, all these things. I think that there's a serious correlation between you having your own place to ride and the hot stretch that you went on at the end of the season. I really think that those are related. So then as we look to 2021, I have to believe that you're as confident as ever because you've always had, yes, you just talked about Bryce, but you've always had the consistency. You've always had the speed. And I think that your speed last year was better than ever before. We saw it in time qualifying, um, I think more than ever before. It's, you know, you touched on the starts and I hate to even bring it up because last time or one of the last times you were on seemed like, uh, you know, it was just this big black cloud hanging over you. But man, if you can get some starts, um, the consistency is there, the speed is there. And like you said, T Brown is gone. Um, You could very easily be the guy that, you know, slides into that, you know, constant top three podium guy, but we, no matter what, we know that you're going to be in that fight. Um, you proved it last year. And I think you having this track now, as we look to 2021, it's going to be like, you have the governor off now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And I think the time qualifying thing, I, I don't really know what it was. I, I couldn't even tell you what was different, but I was nailing, you know, second in time qualifying a couple of times this year, third and fourth and top three, like very consistently. And, I don't know what it was just, and it was even before I had the track, just some things clicked and I just started to look at things a lot different and really study the little things that I'm going to even be pressing harder to because I'd really love to nail a fastest qualifier because I, I really know I can because we're so close sometimes some tracks and I have the speed. And then, you know, Thomas and I were talking at the bank when he's like, dude, like I couldn't get you in time qualifying a lot of times. He was, he was, giving me credit while I was giving him credit for other things. And he, um, you know, he's like, you know, you're just not the same in the motos. And I kind of laugh. I said, well, hold on, you know, time qualifying. There's nobody in front of me. It's putting in a fast lap motos and kicking myself in the butt. And people could say what they want about my whole shots, but you go do it. You know, it ain't right. as easy as it looks by any means. And you know, when you line up with the 15, 20 fastest guys in the world, um, ATV motocross. Um, mm-hmm they don't mess up in the start and like they do a little bit, but a lot less than other classes. And when you have the Joel Hetricks of the world that can nail just about 85, 90% of our whole shots, it's very hard to compete with that because he's got such talent and skill towards that, that I would love to bring out and really not even to, not even to please people that I can get starts, but to please myself, I think there's, I would really enjoy that self-satisfaction to show myself that I can become a good starter. And I I really would like to become that because I know my speed's there. I know my fitness is there because I work my butt off in that aspect, but the starts are tricky, but I have quite a few things that I think could be differently going forward um, for starts next year. And um, I, I think that honestly could be such a—it's not even so much my riding right now. I think the track's going to be helpful, seat time-wise, getting more comfortable, speed coming into the weekends, feeling ready. But if I can become a better starter, I think that could not only change my season but change my entire career of being seen more and being up there in races, more podiums. Because um, I know I can hold on the distance, you know, no matter how rough or how hot it is in the race. Um, you know, I'm 90% of the time, 95% of the time I could prove that. But um, it's, uh, it's something that um, is very tricky. And I would love to really capitalize on those, um, that small weakness
0: I have and make it a strength. So. Yeah, I mean, you're on to something because I feel like, I feel like even, you know, me and I don't like to really reference my own racing a ton. But I always felt like I was a pretty decent starter, you know, going back to previous to my pro career. Well, I and, remember you ripping whole shots in pro. Well, I well, and you go pro, and it's like it's it's demoralizing. It really is because it's oh, like you, people could say what they want, but go do it. Like. And and, and that's what I wanted. That's why I wanted to bring that up is because it can beat you down. And that's why, you know, when we, when we talk, when, when, you know, I've had you on the show, you hate to even bring up starts because it's this big, you know, negative black cloud feeling thing. The only reason why it comes up for you is you have everything else. You have the fitness, you have the consistency, you have the speed, you have the drive, you have the motivation. You get, if you get a start, I think most tracks most weekends, if you get a start, Nick Janusa is almost like for sure, three. for sure in contention for the
2: podium. No doubt. I yes. feel like if I can take off in, within the top three, first, second, or third, I have a 90 to 95% chance of finishing in the top three. And I feel the same how way. I look at it, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I someone can get me in the first lap or two if I make a small mistake, but when it comes to going the distance and the aggression and then going truly 110% all the way to the checkered I feel like that's where I could get back and the Joel and Chad speed is very difficult and it's it's you know if we want to go back to the 90 I feel like there's certain things that make us even and then the 450 class I feel like there's certain it's not even so much the their bikes are faster but they they have bikes that I feel like are a slight advantage on everyone's just just the suspension and everything and the people they have behind their programs, those two guys in specific, and they should, they should, they're the two best. They should have the best people behind them. But I feel like that is where it's hard for us to compete, where I deal with um, and I, I love my suspension setup. Don't get me wrong, but I think in general, everything can be better. It depends who you have working with you on that stuff. And I know for sure that, you know, whether I have the same, you know suspension is this guy or Chad that there's different people and I'm not mentioning names stuff but there's different people behind my program than Chad's and it shows I think and again he they do deserve it they're the top two guys but it's very tough to compete when they have great people around them and access to certain things and
0: I'm sure they know what they have that others don't too. Yeah, for sure. I mean those guys and, and again you you said it a few times, those guys um those guys are two of the greatest ever, right? So they deserve everything that they get. Um I feel like the thing is, and I and I kind of had this conversation with Thomas, but you know, you show up to the racetrack with a program of your own with bikes and that you built. Thomas and I's program are very similar. So it's that, good. You're to do it. Very similar. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you show up with your own rig that you drive there. You have bikes that you built. You have a program. You do all the sponsorship deals. You do all this stuff. That's what I liked about, uh, you know, what kind of the precedent that thomas showed late in his career is hey i can show up in a trailer like everybody else with bikes that i built like everybody else yeah. and you know and, and was a podium pro class guy so yes it's apples to oranges but I, I mean you can clearly do it and i also think that it's probably like i i don't know if i want to say it's more meaningful or, or however you want to say it. But when you wear all the hats, when you're the trainer in the gym, when you're the the mechanic in the shop, when you're the driver, I mean, I, I even feel that way and I'm not racing the pro class anymore and I feel more prideful about it. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I think that you have a ton of pride about your program, but now when you get podiums going forward, when you have the best success that you've had, you know, ever going forward, it's even going to mean that much more because, Hey, you know, I don't have what Joel and Chad have, and I still made it on the podium.
2: Yeah, I I would think Thomas and I's programs are so, you know, he's not in it anymore, but unfortunately, I I used to love racing them, but they're so comparable. And we had, I I wouldn't even say he had advantages on me. I would say Chad and Joel's program, I could name 10 advantages those have on mine. But I think if I look at Thomas's, he didn't really have advantages over me, but he did a lot of things better than me. And I will give him credit in that aspect of his discipline and his knowledge is um, underrated. You know, he, he's a very smart guy and I respect him a lot because little things, he definitely did better. Um, and I think that does come with experience. So he, um, you know, he's worked hard to get to where he is at his point. And I feel like, you know, every one more year I'm in pro, cra- pro class, I learn
0: those things. Of course. I mean, that's where that's what I was going to say to kind of cap this thing is we you and I think of Thomas as being a top three guy for every single weekend. But that was at the second half of his pro career. I mean, the first few years, yes, he was he was like fourth right away. I mean, he was in contention right away, but think about it. Like, it's not that far off from what you've done. So if you became a podium, th- you know, contender, a podium finisher every weekend for the next, the second half of your pro career, we would think of you as we think of Thomas as a podium guy every weekend. You know, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to compare yourself to Thomas when you and I were racing mini quads and thomas was in pro-am and then pro you know
2: right and and he's worked very hard i, I can't give him enough credit he he deserves everything he has um but i think the the podiums would, would really change a lot for me if i can nail a bunch of them next year especially with him out you know it's i've said it a lot like that 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 i don't know if i've ever said it on one of your podcasts but that third to fourth position exposure is next to none it it's all it's when you get that third it's almost as good as the first because at the end of the day when you post your podium picture at the end of the weekend and that goes on Hinton racing and that goes on wherever else wrath racing who's in the picture the first second third guy not the fourth the fourth get i'm telling because because again i'll tell you how it is and i'm in this position a lot fourth fifth the fourth guy gets no exposure. Nobody cares who got fourth. Nobody cares who got fifth. It's top three only. And that's where I feel like it. it's amazing that I've even got attention that I have, but I think it, it, it goes because I've always been fourth, fifth right outside of it. It gets attention, but third, first, second, third are the same exposure in my opinion. If I were there and get my, my name up there all the time, I, I think it would really help me in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I've had this, we've talked about it. I think you did talk about that on the podcast once, but I've said it on an array of episodes that there's just, there's a, there's a lot of guys. There's that fourth to 10th. I mean, there's guys that are pumped. There's guys like me that are pumped when you were somewhere in the top 10, but nobody else knows. And because yeah. nobody else knows, nobody else cares. So you're, you're exactly right. So um, hopefully we don't got to, you know, you don't even got to focus on that no more. I do think that the sky's the limit in 2021 for you. And, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's a, there's the, your brightest days, I think are still ahead and your pro career I, has I been. I, I appreciate that too.
2: Cause I still feel like that. And I think that a lot of people think that, you know, I've peaked. And I'm in the peak, but I know that I and this is not easy. But I feel like number one, there's so much unfinished business in with myself in the pro class, and two that this is going to come down to me and how much I put into it in the pro class racing. You know, I, I love the whole experience. I mean, sometimes I feel like being the pro A to B racer for four or five years is almost better than going away to a college or something because the discipline and it, and it's, this is such life experience of you get what you put into it. Yep. And the, and these sayings are, are so important if, if it truly shows and, you know, you get what you put into it and whatever you put into it is what you're getting out of it. And nothing works unless you do. So you could sit there and complain, you know, and sometimes I'll catch myself, you know, making excuses and then stop because at the end of the day, it's my own program And I, the only one point a finger at me is me. And I'm the only one to blame. So I I like that responsibility. And I like that pressure. And I like talking about this because it, it get makes me put more pressure on myself in a, in a positive way that if you can talk about it, you know, actions speak louder than words, you got to do it, you know, but I love to bring this stuff up because I have that mentality of, work hard and give it my all. And I'm not going to go down by any means without a fight the entire 2021 season. Hopefully I could stay away from breakdowns and nail nail good starts and keep the consistent riding in. And I, again, if I can start nailing good starts and I could moto with Joel and Chad for, say the first four or five laps I hung with them, that experience right there, if I did that three times in the first three races, man, what I feel like, you know, I, I ain't learning anything starting in the back and then getting the fifth fourth whatever and then the races they're gone like mm-hmm. starting up front and it's where i think the bryce ford will, has accelerated fast because his starts are there and then he starts right behind the two fastest guys man that he's done that more times in his first year than i have in five and like he'll build experience a lot faster than the guy who's not starting up front with them and he deserves it he's putting himself up there and he's he's a great starter um but that's where I need to put myself. And that's where I feel like, again, I had, no, I haven't peaked because if I can put myself there, I will get better very
0: fast, very fast. So. Yeah. Well, you've always had a, you've always had a chip on your shoulder. I feel like you've, you've always had that chip. um, And I feel like that's, you know, it's always fueled you. And like I said, I think that, and I mean the, the,
2: the, the, I think they, all the pros do, and I could see it in all of them. We just show it in different ways because if you don't, you're too of a much of a nice guy and a pushover. I mean, in, in life you want to be a nice guy, but in racing the, the nice guys finish last. I mean, this is a job to a handful of us, and where this is this is everyone for themselves. You gotta take the aggression and seriousness to this, and not really care what people think.
0: Yeah, you know, just, yeah, yeah. Um, you're. Yeah, you're 100% right. Nick Janusa means business, I think, uh, I think more than ever in 2021, so I can't wait to see it. Um, we're going to get you out of here on that, man. Congrats on the win this past weekend. Probably another one coming up this weekend, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I appreciate you joining me so much, buddy. I love, uh, love every time we get you on here. You're a favorite guest of mine. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you on once more before the season gets going.
2: Yeah, thank you. I think we should touch up on that other episode we were talking about. I think that'd be cool. And maybe a month or so, we'll touch base on that one. There's a lot to be said there. And I think people would like to hear.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks again for everything. That's Nick Janusa brought to you by Namira Technologies and Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Thanks again, pal. We'll talk to you soon. Buddy, thank you very much. Man, I'll say this, I truly don't think that Nick Janusa gets enough credit for the run he's been on the last six seasons. Riders have come and gone, he's ridden different machines and had plenty of turnover within his own program, yet each and every year, he's a top five guy. And how cool is it, he truly believes the TRX-90 helps him in the pro class. Now the TRX-90 craze is going to be crazier than ever after kids hear this. Be sure to check out Nick and the boys at the Master of the Pit event on Fight TV this Saturday, December 5th. Now, let the fun continue as we welcome our next guest. Enjoy. All right, guys, we're excited to sit down and talk to this next guest. He periodically sends me questions for the pod, hot takes and opinions, and overall is just always interacting with Digging Deep. So I told him, save up all your questions, topics, and takes, put them in a notebook, and we'd get him on the show to talk all about it. So with that, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 528 TV2 X-Ring Chain, it's Mr. PH3 Photos himself, Josh Klein. What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be here, and uh, looking forward to some good conversation
3: topics from last season and things coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's perfect uh, off-season content. I feel like to kind of kind of fill the void for everybody that's missing it, like we are. Um, I know you're a big-time listener and supporter of Digging Deep, which we appreciate, of course. Uh, we use your photos pretty regularly for our social posts, so we can't thank you enough for that. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm stoked uh, to have you join us, talk some ATV motocross, but first, Josh, uh, how did you find your way into our sport? I guess I don't know if you have a background in, in motocross or ATV motocross, so how did you find your way into ATV racing? Um, well, it started
3: a few years ago. I was actually at a local uh, motocross track and looking for something to do with the camera just for, and uh, their bikes only, which was fine. And, uh, I I hung out at the track and the owner was like, yeah, go ahead and head out on the track and, you know, see what happens. And I was out there probably 10 minutes and bite goes by, front tire washes out, takes me out, breaks camera. And I'm like, oh, all right, let's see how this goes, you know. It was the end of of shooting that. And from that point on, I was pretty hooked. So I went to local races, um, found out what motocross really was. That was my first ever basically baptism by fire um with with anything motocross related so found a couple local races and then found out what red bud was because up until that point i had no clue and you want to talk about a big awakening you go to a red bud national and that's that's a whole nother realm so um finding red bud and then uh coming back a couple weeks later and and atvs and just finding out that there is a big difference between bike community and, and atv and I was, I definitely enjoyed the, the, the fellowship, the, the, you know, the people in the ATV side and I, I just kind of stuck around from there. So
0: I just, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. That's cool to hear uh, that kind of story because you're exactly right. I mean, um, it's funny to hear that you were kind of hooked after that first, uh, first you know kind of situation you found yourself in. It's like so many of us that, you know, you race your first race and you crash and for some, for some reason you're hooked or at least that's, you know, kind of my story, but um, so kind of similar for you. But yeah, I mean, you go to a Redbud Dirt Bike National and it's, it's like a party or, you know, whatever. It's the craziest thing you could ever imagine. So so um, I don't. Uh, it's, it doesn't come as a surprise that that kind of hooked you, but yeah, the the camaraderie, the togetherness, uh, you know, everything that comes along with uh, with that in the ATV community, and especially coming from Michigan, I mean, that's a that's a great, strong, healthy ATV community up there. Probably yep. um, one of the strongest that we have around. So uh, that's probably probably something that played a key role in that as well. Oh, absolutely. The the
3: number of participants. Um, was, was crazy. And then to find out where everybody is from, you know, and having so many locals and and great riders, it's, it was, it was, to me, it was enlightening to, to see the, the different aspect of, you know, from the bikes to the quads and, and, you know, you get to know everybody and it was an interesting, interesting moment. And what was really crazy was finding out who was who. I was walking the pits after the races were done and I didn't know big names at the time. Like I said, it was all fairly new. Um, I had uh, walked over at Red Bud and started talking to a guy who had, you know, just come off the track cleaning everything. And we were talking and we ended up talking for like 20, 25 minutes. And buddy of mine comes over, he goes, Hey, what, what'd you and Joel talk about? And I'm like, who? Had no idea who Joel Hattrick was at the time. And, Got to find out, and it was pretty cool. I had run to Walgreens and printed out some pictures for them and handed them to them because they were flag shots, and I thought that was pretty cool. It's the it's the Red Buck Red Butt iconic, you know, shot.
0: Yep. Uh,
3: they were like, yeah, you were talking to Joel Hetrick, you know, and this that, and other thing, and yeah, I didn't know. That's and crazy.
0: And, and talking
3: to talking to the pros, they were just like, you know, general people, and it was definitely way different than than the bikes and scheduling interviews and scheduling. Autograph sessions for time slots, but uh, just yeah. to walk up to
0: the pros and have a conversation was really cool. Oh, uh, oh yeah, the the accessibility that that our sport has is um, next level. But then, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about those top guys being so approachable. Guys like yep. Chad and Joel. I mean, they're obviously the biggest two figureheads in ATV racing. You know, they're they're across the world, the biggest, the yep. two biggest guys, and uh, they they treat so many people. I've watched them both treat. You know some average Joe or some kid or whatever uh and totally gave them all the time that they wanted and needed and and I think that that 's the coolest thing. I think so many people um, even the the younger kids, like everybody you should never lose sight of that. So take that kind of lead from those guys. I think that that's something that, you know, really sets ATV racing apart. And, and that's a reason why so many of us love, uh, ATV racing so much, um, is that, you know, it's different from other sports, different from two wheeled motocross in that sense. And I, and I really like that. Um, so it's cool to hear that from you, but, uh, so that was, that was all relatively recent. That must've only been in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was last year. Um, yeah last year's Red Bud, when
3: Janusa took, you know, his his podium there, and, you know, Chad's, you know, heartbreak of a, of a chain, you know, incident, and me not knowing what was going on at the time, you know, and having these, these images, they're like, do you realize what you just got? And I'm like, no, I have no idea, and so I sat down with a local guy and started talking about it, and it was just, it was mind-blowing to be like, okay, I'm in it now, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so uh, and I thought that that was last year because I even remember getting some pictures from you at the time like um, in in the thing is in ATV motocross specifically and and I'm not a photographer but um, it seems like in ATV motocross because the community is smaller there's only only so many photographers when you're a photographer and your work is good and then you're consistent and you show up at the races um, you know on a regular basis or people know that they can rely on you, I feel like you can create a following and kind of like a persona um, in, a, in a presence inside the industry pretty quickly. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I think
3: after Red Butt happened, I didn't know who, you know, the photographer was. So I messaged ATV Motocross and I started talking to him and got linked up with Ken and started talking to Ken. And he asked me, you know, if, if I would be interested in coming to Ironman and for the season finale and to me that just that was a big honor and to me it solidified my my thought process as to where I wanted to go with my photography and it was at that point I said I'm 100% in ATV all the way through and to, to shoot side by side with Ken you know he's a great photographer and then you got uh you know Trimble Tramellon You've got so many that are out there, groups with the video, and he even pulls out the camera, you know, and yep. he knows what he's doing. So, you know, to to have all these photographers out there and everybody, it it's almost like a carousel when you're on the track. We all look for each other and we rotate. One rotates, we rotate around the track, and they're
0: all great people. So it's it's definitely a big big help to the sport. Yeah, I think that you're so right. I feel like that's almost like a microcosm of the sport as a whole, because everybody's got to work together. Everybody's got to coexist. There can't be any of this, um, you know, there can't be any like, uh, conflict, I feel like we all got to work together for the betterment of the sport. Like even as a, as a just a, you know, media guy or whatever you want to call what I do, I feel like uh, sometimes you know there 's that same feeling it 's like, hey, like we all got to work together um, and and I feel like I, I go out of my way to make sure everybody knows that, like you kind of try to plant that seed like we all need to work together just like you guys do so um, so i 'm so glad that it uh, worked out that way. You got bit by the bug by uh, by the bug, like I said, by like so many of us, and then uh, to see you at all the races this year, so at what point did you decide then? Um, Hey, I'm going to try to do this entire 2020 season. Um, You know, and it was, it was, I think it was, you go back to Ironman
3: and being asked to, to come down. And at the time I was, I was in between, do I want to follow bikes? Do I want to follow ATVs? Um, With the local series, I started following the ATVs to kind of get an idea. And once Ironman got done and, you know, hanging out with everybody, getting to know them, um i kind of went home evaluated things went back to the website looked at the schedule where the tracks were and i thought you know what i think i can make them and i said you know what let's i'm gonna jump both feet and i committed 100 percent to going to daytona and i left my job as a uh, photographer for a camper dealership and two weeks later jumped on a plane and went to daytona so All, all in all in hundred percent. No doubt. And I said, it's, it's going to happen. It's
0: going to happen now and don't regret it one bit uh i'd love to hear it and and now we know i mean hindsight's 2020 um now we know that you're planning to come back for 2021 from some of the stuff that i've seen on your social posts which mean that uh you know 2020 must have been successful enough that it makes sense to keep doing this thing um so you know like i said we know you're going to be back next year do you have any openings how does that all work um is like if somebody listens to this they're interested um do you have availability for next year um, I was blown away at the response I had
3: posted about uh, doing openings, and I limited it this year this coming season because it was so many riders on a weekend it was it was just nonstop and
0: so how many how many riders did you have? I always wonder this like on a regular weekend, how many people are you shooting um, In the last year it, last year, I maxed
3: out with twenty one riders that 's crazy when I got done with that weekend i 'm trying to think which I think it was, I want to say Red Bud Weekend. Okay. Just because I knew the track. I knew where I wanted to shoot from. I thought, you know what, I'll be able to take a few extra. Okay. And uh, I decided, nope, no more. I'm not doing that many again because I was worked. And I think I had over 7,500 pictures in that weekend alone to go through. And I just decided that I was going to kind of narrow it down. So it was between 10, 12 on an average weekend. Okay. Okay you know, it it was, it was enough to to handle what I needed to. And I enjoyed it. And it it, it got chaos at times, some of the tracks, but uh, yeah, 10 to 12 were pretty good
0: weekends. And then how, and I wondered this often too. um, So then, you know, you upload just pictures, just photos to, you know, your website or whatever. Do you get like a decent amount of, of, you know uh, you know, people buying them there as well after the races or, or, or is that not as big of a focus? Um, yeah, sales, online sales are pretty good. I actually still get orders. I think
3: I had one yesterday from, I think I
0: think I ordered something last week. So I know. Some yeah, you online.
3: did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, uh, sunset, I had a couple orders and I, they weren't even, I don't think they were regular points chasers or anything. And they were just from, you know, so yeah, the orders still come in. Um, but with the clients and stuff, they get their own folder and yep. they download those images and stuff like that. So okay. when you weekend bundle or you get for the year, you get your own folder. So you don't have to go through the thousand pictures, right? It it just makes it easier. And you know, on the, on the individuals themselves, but yeah, sales for the year, definitely. They help for sure, so
0: that's good. And I and I think that it's uh, it's worth mentioning. I didn't even I hadn't even had that written down in my notes, but it's worth mentioning because so many people go to these races, and if you're not a regular uh, race goer, maybe you don't know where to find the photos. And mm-hmm. everybody wants photos of themselves riding, right? So I mean, when yep. you take that many pictures in a weekend, you have photos of everybody. So yeah, um, so I feel like uh, that was worth mentioning, um, but. So do you have availability for next year? I mean, how do people get a hold of you? Go through that a little bit. Um, on my Facebook page,
3: I posted about 10 spots um, for the year. And I have nine right now pending um, out of that 10, which leaves me with one spot open. And those are guaranteed for the year. For each individual race, you know, we get to the first race of the year, I'm going to post the week of extra openings. So I'm going to try and do four openings on top of the yearly 10. So that way I'm able to focus on riders and get them their quality shots, get them their, their quality products. So I'm not overwhelmed. So with, with on average, four spots on top of the yearly riders, um, that's, that's going to be, you know, on for the weekend. And you just contact me, whether it be through my website or, or Facebook, Instagram, PH3 photos, either way.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's great news. And, uh, like I said, just because people, you know, maybe aren't going to all the races or don't lock down that, you know, that spot, um, for the entire year, that doesn't mean that you can't get, get, you know, a bundle for a weekend, or it doesn't mean that uh, that you're still not going to find photos of yourself. So, um, and, and like, you know, if you, if, if listeners went to a race this last year, just like Josh said, there's, uh, there's tens of thousands of photos out there to search through for, um, for, you know, this past season that are categorized by the day. So, I mean, I've, I, like I said, I was on the website last week, kind of scrolling over some stuff and found some photos that I wanted to get on myself. So, um, with that, let's not, let's get into this a little bit, because like I said, you come up with, uh, some really good topics and ideas that you've shot me, um, you know, in messenger or, or, or you know, other messages, um, kind of throughout the season or since or pre preseason, all that stuff. And I uh, got to a point where I was like, you know, these are good enough that we need to Save these things, and we'll we'll do an episode on it sometime. So uh, let's get into it because I'm excited to uh, to bring some of these ideas um, to the table for some discussion. So, uh, like I said, I, I'm going to kind of turn this over to you. Um, whenever you're ready, just kind of start us off with something good, and uh, we'll start discussing it.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I think I
3: usually on the daily I'll go through and I'll look at uh, different companies, for as opposed, you know, new stuff, new products. Um, and then you you see other posts from, from Rath or Walsh and stuff like that. You really, you look at some of the comments that people are making. And I saw one comment and a question and I, it kind of got to me too, just to thinking the geometry of all these different quads and what they come up through the years and taking this and, you know, this works with that. And, uh, Casey James Gray had a question on there. He said, is the LTR really that big of a deal for referring to the front end for, for a quad he said or is it a really only uh negligible for the serious racers needing every advantage and it was a post of the, the front end for for Joel's new ride and you know it really got to think okay how how much of you know the different models are they putting together to get the
0: the optimum level see now this is this is interesting so for me you know when i switched to ltr stuff years ago um, instantly i was like the time that, cause for the longest time, I kind of, uh, bided my time. Cause I'm like, man, it's a, you know, I had all the stuff that was, it was Elka, but it was all, um, TRX style, you know, front end stuff. So I was going to have to wholesale change my whole program over to LTR spindle front ends. Um, you know, arms are different. Shocks are a little bit different. Um, the whole deal. Well, when we tested them and it was at the beginning of my pro career, so it was, you know, early, you know, early to, you know, I don't know, 2000, ago. Yeah, 2012 or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, man, when I, when I pulled the trigger on that, I was like, man, we wasted a ton of time, way too much time trying to not spend the money to change this over because it was almost two seconds a lap, like back to back, same track you know, um, two seconds of lap when we went to the LTR front end and it made my machine feel like it was twice as wide. I'm not kidding. Um, so it was night and day difference. Obviously I've told everybody since then, if you can, if you can warrant, uh, or make sense of the change, if you can do it, it's going to pay off on the racetrack. Now where, where this is going with Joel, I mean, I, I actually not that long ago had this conversation we were having in this, in the shop. I think it might've been with my dad. And I thought, um, you know, I thought everybody with the Yamahas ran the Yamaha front ends. Uh, That's, that was my thought. Yeah. and, And I don't know now if Chad has always ran the Yamaha front end, because it seems like from the stuff that I'd been reading, kind of just reading between the lines that maybe this is what Walsh is doing for Joel, might be a first generation. I mean, that's kind of the feel I get. Now, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and, I look forward to, because Joel said, Hey, get me back on in the spring after I've been riding this thing for a while. And I'm curious because he hadn't ridden the, the LTR front end, or he was just at the beginning of it when we had him on the show. And I'd be, I'd be really curious to, um, to hear what he has to say comparing the two, but on a Honda, um, that LTR setup is just, it's so perfected. And that's what Joel and I talked about when we had him on is, uh, you know, the, the LTR front front end on a Honda, that whole setup is so figured out that it takes a lot to beat it. And he said, I mean, the Honda handles as good as anything he's ever ridden, you know, the Honda mm-hmm. with that setup. Um, so it's going to take some time for for him to get the Yamaha, you know, where he knows the Honda can can be at its best. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I thought everybody ran the, the Yamaha OEM stuff. I really did. So I'm curious to see, and uh, who knows if Joel's running that stuff, you know, Chad's going to try it. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll both be better for next year. I don't know. Right.
3: Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of what I think, you know, Casey was wondering, it, you know, is it, is it top level beneficial only, you know, is it, is, you know, the sea rider, the, the, you know, rider is going to benefit or the cross country guy going to benefit.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know about, you know, cross country, you don't know because I mean, you want your bike to be nimble. I mean, I would still think maybe they're running LTR stuff on Hondas. I don't, I don't right. know that for sure. Yeah. In, in my personal opinion, um, and if I was riding a, uh, you know, one of my Hondas on anything, I would want that Suzuki spindle front end, no doubt right. in my mind, because they're they're so stand out better. Now I think it's a case by case, rider by rider. Like if you're a, a beginner um, and you're you know you're not hitting jumps yet, and you know you're struggling, learning some of the obstacles and stuff. I mean, obviously, you know you're not going to feel it in in that kind of stuff. So you should you know continue to build yourself as a rider. But when you get to the point where, you know, you're basically doing all the obstacles, now you're pushing the corners harder. A rider like that is definitely going to feel the, the Suzuki spindle, you know, front end uh, on, again on a Honda. Cause that's where my experience is. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that they would feel it. But again, I mean, if you're a, uh, if you're a, uh, you know, a beginner, sea rider, whatever, I mean, you always tell people put your money into the way that that machine handles before you put money into the engine because, um, you know, a beginner rider, improve your handling. You don't need a bunch of motor. If you're able to, to handle the obstacles, the corners, the jumps, the whoops, all that stuff better, you don't need a bunch of motor. So I always deter people from, you know, putting dollars into their motor when they have stock suspension on their bike Um, but kind of wait until you're you know kind of improving and and getting to the point where you're basically riding what you have closer to what it's capable of and then that's when uh, a rider is going to feel the difference in that Suzuki front end that's what I would say for that
3: yeah yeah no sense in having all the power if you can't put it to the ground and and utilize it exactly but I mean there's
0: so many people that just that don't know that so um, yeah so yeah I'm glad that we could touch on that
3: yeah, that's uh, definitely, you know, it, 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 with that in mind, you know, and you get all these, the, the writers that put all this money in there, you separate these classes to, you know, you look at how much is being invested in each class and, you know, the exposure to these classes, you know, and it kind of brings you to the next one. It says, how do you, how do you grow a class? How do you, with the exposure? And with the recent release of the new classes and, and everything going on, um, I'm really curious with now the women's classes is on Saturday and they're going to be running, you know, they're definitely getting their, their highlight in they, the exposure that the, the, the top women, you know, riders deserve, you know, and how other than running them with the pros on Saturdays, you know, depending on where they fall in the lineup, how do you grow a class? How do you get a
0: specific class the exposure to grow? Well, it's, that's kind of two separate things to me because um, with the women's class, First of all, that kind of going back to that uh, kind of uh, prior, uh, I don't know if prioritizing is the word, but showcasing the women the way that they're trying to do now, I think is obviously deserved. Um, that's something that they used to do. They used to the, the premier women's class or the women's pro class. I mean, that was something that used to run alongside the pro-ams and pro classes when that was a premier Saturday or, or it was Sunday at one point, but at the biggest times of the weekend, women used to race. And, um, so bringing that back, I mean, I like that idea because those, those, those girls are deserving of it. They're at, the, those top girls, you know, Andrea Berger and, and uh, you know, Shaw and those riders, I mean, that's the pinnacle for women's racing. So I do believe that they should get that showcase because you hope that that itself can kind of grow the women's class, right? Um, yep. That that makes little girls say, hey, I want to I do this. I want to go do that. Now, I don't necessarily know exactly how, you know, to help the women's class grow. I mean, I think that this is a great move. You know, you only have so many riders that you can pick from, Um, you know, the women's racing is, you know, smaller than the men's racing. So I think that this should help. I also, I don't know exactly how the class structure works, but I think that you could get more women to chase the national scene if they have more classes to race. And yes, like some of those top riders, um, you know, run the boys classes, but that's not necessarily what everybody's going to do. Like everybody doesn't right. necessarily want to throw their hat in there if you're a female and having to race guys. So I think that that's one thing is um, I know there the class structure has added some, you know, there's like another, uh, like a 15 plus 15 plus. Yep. 15 women's
3: plus.: is, Yeah. It's a women's class and that's going to be added to the regular schedule by the sounds of it. And yeah. previous WMX champions are not eligible. So. But everybody else
0: is. So I think. Correct. That I think that that's a perfect way because, again, Andrea and Shaw and those riders are going to race the boys' classes. They don't need to run 15 plus. They don't want to. But it's a great opportunity for the younger girls to kind of have that stepping stone from the smaller classes up to the women's class. you got an in-between class now, and that gives you another class to run. So I think that there's a lot of good things that go into that. Typically, when people ask me how to grow a class, um, it, I, I often don't think it, is even the focus of that is on a national level. I think it trickles down to the local level. And first of all, the classes need to be compatible. You know, they got to be relatively compatible so that a kid that runs a 250 at such and such an age at a local race can run that at a national race. You know, that stuff's got to be compatible. But, um, you know, the, the strength of local racing is what makes it uh, the, the national racing bigger and better. And I think that, you know, and you you have all these people that are gloom and doom and Debbie Downer about, you know, the, the, the health of ATV racing or whatever, but I think you're starting to see some of that change because years ago, um, you know, the pro class was smaller. The pro-am class was, you know, oftentimes big, but some of them bigger classes were, little bit smaller, you know, than maybe they are now. And the youth classes are big. Now you got those youth riders and a ton of talent coming up into the big classes and those youth classes are now still giant. So I feel like yeah. we're seeing some of that turnover, whether, um, you know, you obviously are going to have your people that are just never going to highlight the positivity, um, you know, and the potential growth and all these things. But I do think that, uh that the you know the strength of the strength of our sport is is getting better. I do think that things are growing, but um, to, generally speaking, to grow classes, I think it starts at a local level. the The we need places to ride. We need places to race at home because otherwise, if say I have a child, um, even where I come from in Wisconsin, there's really nowhere to race ATVs. So right. it's very difficult for me if I was, you know, again, if I was a, if I was a dad, to it would be hard for me to buy a four wheeler and tell, you know, my kid that, Hey, we got places to race. I couldn't say that we would have to go to the national scene. Well, typically you race local until you're doing so well that, you know, you local isn't, isn't giving you that, you know, that, that natural high anymore. And then you go to the nationals. That's how it works for so many of us. So we need to grow local racing before, um, you know, I think things will really take off, but yep. uh, but but yeah, I think that I think it starts at a local level. But uh, overall, um, I'm stoked with the with the health of of ATV racing. We've seen over the last number of years that uh, we haven't really given up any ground, and I feel like the the younger riders, all the the saturation of talent down there is just getting better and better as they grow, and just more people are coming in. So I feel like the future's bright
3: absolutely and you know you kind of go back to like you were saying with the women in the class you've got trower neem um or yeah Neam shaw and then you've got berger um i don't know how much you follow the like the women's with the cross country and stuff but on occasion they'll make a a video or a post and they'll highlight the women do you think that would benefit the, the on the atv wmx side and uh, you know say hey here's a post and highlight some of these women to give the
0: younger girls somebody to look up to, just like some of us guys do with Joel and Chad? Well, I mean, of course. And and obviously, like... I try to do some of that even with, with my posts. I mean, I try to bring some attention to the females at times it is difficult. I mean, when, so, you know, if we're talking about video gloop's the only guy, and he's got so right. much on, he's got so much on his plate that, I mean, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're just asking him to do something more, but I would assume that if it's a, if it's, you know, if the class is being made more premier, which is my understanding, I think that you're going to see some more of that coverage, just like, you know, the 250 classes, everybody likes to watch gloop, makes sure, you know, make sure that everyone sees the 250 races. Um, he'll, you know, post those videos from time to time. Same with pro stock, same with pro am. So I would assume that you'll see more of that, but I mean, typically, um, typically I think that he tries to showcase the really good racing too. So yep. I mean, the better the women's racing, the more we can expect to see it. I would assume that that, that those go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I remember sitting there thinking myself, you know, even I
3: am guilty of it, you know, and not, not posting a lot of the women's stuff to, you know, kind of help their movement too. But you know, like you said, gloop has got a lot going on. So, I mean, I get that too, but.
1: uh, Well, I,
0: I feel like too. And, and, you know, just with everything that, I, that we do at Digging Deep, like I'm trying to showcase stories. Right. So when, yep. you know, when I, when I've posted about Andrea a number of times, I mean, she comes kind of from my local area. I raised her, you know, her dad was one of like the dominant, you know, local a riders when I first moved up to a big bike. And um, so, you know, I kind of, I can tell her story a little bit. So um you know, it, it, it's it been fun to obviously follow her. She's obviously a super humble and great individual that I love to see succeed. But um, I mean, I wanted people to know like a back-to-back women's champion. I mean, there's not that many people that that have done that. So, um, you know, and she's, she's kind of been dominant in the way she's done it and her way of rising to the top has been a little bit more unorthodox, you know, she wasn't a dominant youth rider um, and then kind of, you know, moved up through the ranks. She kind of just, she kind of just like, all of a sudden she just figured it out and she was a really good rider and then found her way to the national scene. And it was like, Hey, I'm good enough that I you know, need to be at these races. So, um, long story short, I feel like the, the better the racing, the more it'll be, to be covered. But with Andrea specifically, I mean, I try to go out of my way to give her coverage because, uh, she, she clearly deserves it. And, uh, and she's going to try to be back next year to, to win a third title and, uh, it should be exciting to watch. Yeah, definitely. She's, uh, she pulls that off. She's, she's looking at like the, the female side
3: of Chad Weenan over there. So it's, <laughs> I definitely see, I definitely see it. Uh, but uh, you definitely look at some of the younger girls that are coming up and now you've got some of them that are going to be on big bikes and they're going to make a run for it. I think she's going to have her handful this year. You know, that's it, it, definitely not going to come easy as it never does, but uh, it's definitely going to be
0: just as much fun to watch as, as the guys. For sure, and I mean, you've seen, you know, if you go back a decade plus, you know, the the Angela Moores, the Heather Birds. I mean, those riders made waves in the A classes and mm-hmm. and even and even higher. So um, it's cool for Andrea because she's still got stuff to shoot for. I mean, she can be this dominant force in the women's class. She's like you said, there's riders coming. I mean, she'll have competition for sure, but there's dominant riders uh, you know, that's like her, you know, you can dominate in the women's side and then you can still be a contender in a boys class and a B class or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like she gets to do her thing against the girls and then see where it, she, you know, where she's, you know kind of fall yeah, where do I like shake boys. down yeah. exact yeah. exactly in the boys classes, so I feel like that's really cool and uh but I'm glad that they have that additional class now for those those other girls that you know aren't aren't champions aren't necessarily contenders to win um I think that that's a good move for uh for the series for those those females for sure yeah definitely I, uh
3: you know listening to like I said, just being my first full year following aggressively with the, with everything learning the riders and stuff like that. You look at Thomas Brown and you know, the, the statement he's made in, in the sport itself is, is awesome. And, you know, the, the ability, like we were saying to go back to him and just talk to him and stuff um, you know, what, what comes to your mind as far as, you know, the, the common third as he referred to it as third place finish. What, what comes up as uh, you know, the favorite in your mind as his favorite
0: third, third place finish. What what sticks out to you? Okay, so I'm going. I don't. This is just off the cuff, but this is uh, something that has been um, just a memorable ride for him. So it was Muddy Creek 2019. Uh, so last year it was a three-three day for Thomas, um, but in the second moto specifically, him and Joel, him Joel Chad uh, were, so Chad led for a lot of the race. Joel was in second. Joel passes him. Thomas stayed right with those guys. It was, it was a three rider train until there was about like four or five laps left in the moto. And that stands out to me. And I don't know if we talked about it specifically. I think we did maybe reference it when we when we had him on recently. Um, Because that was the motto where they had changed some of the setup, they had, you know, kind of taken the training wheels off this this change to PP performance tuning and, you know, some of this program was changing. And that was the day where we saw thomas really take a step um he he was more in the mix at the end of last year than ever before previous to that and uh, that ride that second motor ride at muddy creek uh was the was the 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 ride that stands out so um i mean and and again we said it on the last episode i feel like but thomas okay. was thomas was you know basically uh, you could just plug him into that third place. Like he was at least going to be third, no matter what. Um, and there's a lot to, to say about that. You know, I, I feel like you hate that. I, I don't know how to say this, but very similarly to when you're, uh, you know, outside the top five, but inside the top 10 pro, which is where I was, it's like, nobody even knows. Nobody knows. Like you could have yeah. a six, you have a sixth. It was great, but nobody knows. Well, kind of the same way. I mean, you still get that that podium, you know, op, you still got, you know, all the pictures, all that stuff. You still get bonuses, all all of that everything that goes along with the podium, but you don't necessarily get that coverage that the first two or, or the winner gets. But the exposure. Exactly. But for Thomas to be over 50 times just plugged into that third place like he's expected to be there. I mean, I feel like it's going to be weird when he's gone because – he just had always – he just was the third guy. And, uh, and then, you know, I mean, there's so many. So that's the one that stands out. And then there were so many battles in the years previous between him and Jeffrey. It was, it was Thomas and Jeffrey duking it out in every single moto for that top three spot. And, and I'm going to miss those battles between those two guys because uh, there was a lot of great racing going on for that final uh, spot on the podium between Thomas and Jeffrey for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've watched videos and, and you know, back
3: in, from back in the day. And I think you're right. I think that's the one that stuck out to me. And I remember you talking about it in the last episode. And I wondered, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. That's that's going to be Cody's answer. You know, like you were saying, he was working with, Heath, and, you know, getting things dialed in. And I'm driving through the middle of Ohio on the way to the banquet. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I got to pull over and write this question down because I think that's going to go. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely going to be a different different podium view with with Thomas being you know stepping into the
1: picture
0: yeah it's going to be it's going to be crazy I mean I feel like you know I look at some riders that could take some steps to be i mean obviously we know that Bryce is going to contend for podium spots on the regular, but guys like like Logan Stanfield who's just you know he's so consistent and he just shows up on race day. I mean, that's how he was in his rookie season as a pro guys like that. I feel like could end up being, you know, kind of filling that role of the guy who's just a staple to be a, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily a podium spot because there's so many good kids coming up, but a top five rider, like, you could tell me that Logan finishes fifth in points next year. And I don't know that I'd necessarily be surprised solely based on, you know, he's going to be in the mix in that kind of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh or whatever, every single weekend. And that's, you know, that's only based on him taking one step. Say he takes it, you know, a giant step, Um, you know, guys like uh, guys like Alan Myers too. If he just, you know, can figure out some things with this program to make sure he's consistent. That's another guy. I mean, there's guys, you just, there's younger kids that I feel like if they just take the model of Thomas and Thomas did it for a lot of years and he wasn't necessarily this guy at the very beginning. Um, but if that consistency is, uh, yeah. what these kids need to figure out. And as soon as that, I mean, you could have kind of your next Thomas Brown type molded rider, um, kind of waiting in the wing. Yeah. You can, you can sprint a couple of times, but,
3: a, you know, a couple sprints isn't going to get you a marathon win. So the thing with Thomas too, is it
0: doesn't matter if he started first or he started 10th, <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he was still going to find still, his way up there. He's going to find his way up there. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads without these great companies. None of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Before digging deep was even a reality, back when it was just an idea, CST Tires already believed in us, which is fitting because no one believes in their tires more than I do. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, and their Paul Semixar Tires continue to hook every rider strong enough and willing to grab a handful of throttle after mounting them on their ride. Used by Thomas Brown to win races and clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, Nick Janusa when he grabbed his first career pro class podium, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to -to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit csttires.com to join the CST Takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground.
2: Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back.
0: We're proud to be Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV-MX podcast. Why choose Yamaha? Look no further than Chad Wienan's seven championships in the past nine seasons aboard his Yamaha YFZ 450R. Not to mention Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing, and their support of this podcast proves it. For the 2020 ATV-MX season, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program will offer payout and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ 450R. For more information, head to yamahaoutdoors.com and follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors today. All hail Blue Crew, the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big-time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best-looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris' passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV Motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken no project is too big or too small for SSI decals making your identity stick with championship level graphics head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick the digging deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by did racing chain and their 520 atv2 chain this patented x-ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight increased strength and a longer overall chain life making it the optimal atv racing chain Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Don't forget about their motocross, off-road, and street bike chains as well. Wherever you go, go with DID. Hello
3: listeners, it's Chad Wienens, AMA ATV Pro National Champion. An owner of Wiener Motorsports and proud partner of Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast. The two of us share a strong passion for ATV MX. Owning my own team gives us the ability to handpick the best products on the market for our racing program. With consistent testing, research, and development, we are confident that when choosing the products we believe in, our customers will be satisfied in building their own race program as well. We race what we sell. With brands like Fox Shocks, Walsh Racecraft, SSI Decals, Wrath Racing, and Hinson Racing, just to mention a few, go to check out WienandMortisports.com to see the full lineup. Enter discount promo code DIGDEEP at checkout. Enough talking already. Get out and get some fresh air and go ride. Hope to see you at the track soon.
4: We are proud to be partnered with Numero Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years, with a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. The Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV Racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2020 is no different, with an impressive lineup including Joel Hedrick and Phoenix Racing Honda Team, Cody Jansen and his Junior 25 Plus National Championship, Baldwin Motorsports, Nick Genuza, Wesley Wolf, and much more in the ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, DP has 16 of the top 17 pros heading into 2020. This includes the Champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Chris Borich, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and more. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer. Products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase at your local dealer or message us for the contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shot guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4 has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon. Always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com.
0: Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by their 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late-model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the Concrete Division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product, something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grips Drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gript movement because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at griptgloves.com. That's g r i p t gloves.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a licensed doctor in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. We are also proud of our partnership with Factory 43. Factory 43 was born in 2007 making Nerf bars for the Suzuki LTR, Honda TRX 450R, and Yamaha's YFZ450. The brand soon added bumpers and grab bars and for years now has offered parts for all sport quads. The racer-owned company strives to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good and holds up over time for 2020 factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the phoenix racing team providing riders like joel hetrick jeffrey Rostrelli, chris borich and grayson eller with the motocross and cross country versions of their evo nerf bar and mx style front bumpers head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products thanks to factory 43 We are excited to dig deep with the support of Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary this May, the company was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Through hard work, accompanied by offering great service to their customers, BTQ LLC now has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock. But they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off orders of $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's grassroots businesses. Thank you, BTQ LLC. The Decker Training Facility at County Line MX is now. Open, this premier motocross training compound is located in beautiful Fountain, Florida, about a 40-minute drive from Panama City Beach. Their rapidly growing facility consists of a pro-level national track, amateur and youth tracks, woods loop, and mountain bike trails. Everything you need to train comfortably all winter long is available on site, including private cabins, a full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage, dump station, wash bays, and more. With accommodations for riders across the country and around the world, the Decker Training Facility will help you become the best rider you can be. Sign up for a group training session or a private lesson with nationally ranked pros. Train tougher, smarter, and harder this offseason at one of Florida's most luxurious facilities. For more information, go to DeckerTrainingFacility.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Decker Training Facility, your elite training experience.
1: We are proud to be partnered with Avocado Green Mattresses. We all know that sleep and rest are an important part of any athlete's routine. Avocado's line of natural mattresses and pillows provide exactly the support you need to ensure you perform at your best while doing the best for the planet. The Avocado Mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit, meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you will be experiencing next-level comfort. You can rest in peace knowing the components in your mattress and pillow are non-toxic, natural, and sustainably sourced. And getting your Avocado Green mattress could not be any easier. They offer a 100-night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25-year warranty. And if that wasn't enough, rest assured knowing they have five-star ratings by verified customers, including some of the Digging Deep staff. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com. Thanks for listening and
0: remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like
3: you're saying with, with the new riders coming up and the big changes and everything, you know, do you think there's going to be any rider changes, um, you know, as far as changing teams, changing setups? You, do you see any of the, the top more, you know, riders in the, the pro ranks making changes that it's gonna benefit them.
0: Well, I mean we know about obviously, you know, Joel and and Phoenix switching to uh, to Yamaha. So that in yep. itself is gonna be a major um, you know, a major, you know, I don't know, major talking point, major something to focus on, whatever that is, because for the first time in so long, it's not just Joel and Chad on the program that they've always been on lining up for just another chapter of this, this book that they've written over the last decade, um, or, or at least, you know, in recent, you know, five, six years that their programs have just been identical. Um, so that's going to be exciting to see something a little different there. Um, you know, the next thing I'm looking at is with Bryce and I, I want to, you want to see how close he can be with those, you know, top two, you know, he can run those lap times. It's just, can he always be that guy? Um, you know, it, cause it's everything it's your starts. It's everything. I mean, those okay. guys, you know, you have to get a good start to contend. Um, yep. so that's, it's going to be interesting for me to see, the step that he takes, Um, you know, then, you know, as we kind of trickle down, I mean, my seeing Max Lindquist is a major focus of mine too, because I feel like, again, I wanted him to be able to run pro at the end of the season, because I think he could have got kind of plugged right into that, you know, sixth, seventh kind of place. I think that it would have been a good battle. I mean, that's a guy that I'm going to really like to focus on. Uh, We haven't, mentioned Brandon Hogue yet and uh, that's a guy that at the beginning of the season I mean it looked like he could win a race it looked like he was going to be a podium guy for sure I mean we saw him get a podium at Muddy Creek but uh, I feel like that's a guy now I've heard rumors uh, not of Brandon Hogue but of other riders maybe taking you know one of the Phoenix spots but I think that I think that that was contingent on Jeffrey not coming back and I, I was told that that spot for Jeffrey was basically there if you wanted it. And I mean, reading between the lines, it looks like Jeffrey's – like Jeffrey's going to go racing. And that's what it seems like to me. And if that's the case, then, we know, it's going to be on Phoenix and we know it's going to be on a Yamaha. So I don't think that you're going to see any major changes at the very top. And, uh, and, and Brandon communicated to me just, uh, just recently that, you know, his program is going to stay the same. I know that there was people talking about, you know, I saw some rumors um, about, you know, Brandon Hogue changing his program or whatever, but I know that his plan right now is that uh, that, you know, he's healthy. He's healed up. He's in training mode. Now he's in, you know, preparation mode. He's going to be with, you know, TDR again. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to come out swinging. So I hope that we can see um, the Brandon Hogue that we saw at the beginning of the year that was winning heat races. And, you know, at Daytona, he said he, he was, he was going to win. That was his, yep. that was his belief. That was his goal. Um, I want to see that Brandon Hogue. And I think we will, I mean, he's so headstrong. He's so motivated. Um, my only concern, not this last season, but the season before was he's such a believer in himself. I was just worried that he was going to get hurt pushing it too hard and he did it. Um, this, this last season, he just got bit by a fluke, by a fluke deal there where he clipped his tire. But, um, I think if, I think Brandon's going to be strong for one. And, uh, that's the, that's the guy that, you know, I think that could really mix things up and maybe isn't on everybody's radar right this second. I don't think that we're going to see any major changes to any guys at the top or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that that doesn't mean the pro class isn't going to be crazy interesting because it is, that's for sure. Yeah,
3: definitely. And, you know, like, like you had just said, you know, and Hogue, he came to a local race and uh, he it was it was a moto and he came with um, uh, Rogan. And so it was, you know, it was the cool to see two of them, you know, show up to a local race and for the big moto that it was, everybody wanted their hands, you know, Hey, what can we do? Let's, let's see how we stack up with them. And he went out there and he said, you know, he goes, it was nice to just have fun and not push myself so hard and still, you know, go out and do well. Granted, he didn't win Blair Miller. Uh, He ended up beating up on him pretty good and, and having some good battles. So that was, that was cool to see, you know, local riders at that time, you know, finding out where they stacked up and I'm like, who's Blair Miller, you know? And like I said, that was just when I started getting into things and to watch a local rider compete with, with some of these pros saying, okay, we got something, in our, you know, going on here.
0: Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's, what what it, to having fun. that's what it's all about. Um, I feel like, at least where I'm from, Uh, because again, I talked about kind of where ATB racing is, is at in Wisconsin. But, uh, when I was younger, um, I remember Doug Gus showing up for, for local races. And, Mm uh, and I mean, it was like, it was like God was, was there. (laughs) Starstruck. I mean, honestly, and then, you know, a few years later and, um, you know, we, I think we talked about it on the last episode where, you know, we were all, we were all racing you know the a class or whatever before we were 16 you know i think i was probably 13 or 14 and now i'm lining up against gust at a, at a local race and it was like man yeah i i got i got five of this dude's posters on my walls and now i'm trying to race <laughs> them at a local race but that's what it's all about i mean it's really cool to see see uh you know those big name riders show up at local races and and have fun and i mean that's what it's all about so uh, for everybody i mean this sport is just about having fun that's what it's all about but it's tough when you're at the pro level because there's just so much pressure probably the pressure for most people is put on by themselves i mean i've been there where it's just sometimes it's hard to you know to keep the focus on you know, making sure that you're having fun because you do, you put so much into it. You put so much pressure on yourself and, um, you feel that pressure from all your supporters as well. Um, so for everybody, I mean, I feel like, uh, you just want to kind of keep the, keep the fun in it. And, you know, I kind of, I, even in the years since, in the three seasons, since I walked away from the pro class and came back and raced, you know, kind of 25 plus in the age classes, um, I refell fell in love with it. I found the fun again. And I thought to myself, man, if I could go back in time and put an emphasis on the fun while I was racing the pro class, I would have been more successful because, you know, when you're having fun, that's when you're going to be the most successful probably in anything in life, honestly. Yeah, definitely. You're most relaxed and things come natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way again, again, this is, this is a, this is a, a a hobby for 99% of us, a hobby that's that we absolutely love our life revolves around it. I mean, I've dedicated my whole life to this thing, but it's still a hobby. So you gotta, gotta make sure uh, it's still enjoyable. You gotta make sure it's still fun. Yeah, definitely.
3: So like I was at a local race and, listening to in between races i was listening to a uh, podcast and they did a a rundown and it was 10 random questions and you just fired off the answers as fast as possible rapid fire. how uh how do you think how do you think uh other guests would would respond to that and you know something something that you know not even race related questions you know that would kind of be the side you think you think that'd be a hit
0: for digging deep. Yes. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. I've often thought about stuff like this, which sometimes I, I try to simulate that with some of the listener questions sometimes. Um, yep. but you know, preparing for guests is such a time consuming thing that yep. sometimes I get to the point where it's like, man, I can't, I can't dedicate any more time to this. I've been working on, you know, my, 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 my pre episode prep for a day, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I do think it's a hit. I know that they do it on some of the Moto podcasts and stuff, which I listen to them all. So, I mean, they motivate a lot of what we do. Um, yep. but like those, like those, uh, those segments on other shows, they have a third party that supplies the questions I and that's what I would, I mean, if I had, you know, if you had somebody like you, or maybe you have it as a kit, you know, kind of carouseling where you you change the person that's, that's supplying the questions every week, because then maybe gets a little bit different spin, you know, for right. every episode. But if that's something that people want, uh, want to do, I guess, want to participate in, um, I'm all for it. You know, uh, I I think it'd be a perfect outro, you know, you get done with your conversation and then you hit them with a buzzer for the speed round, you know, and I remember, I remember, um, Zach Osborne's podcast and that's exactly how they ended it. It was about life. It was about life, life questions. He only did 10 episodes, but it was a great way. You kind of piece together somebody's, uh, persona or personality or whatever, um, character, all those things when you kind of ask them about other things, right? Like oftentimes I feel like, I feel like, uh, I wish I could have like a football podcast because nobody would listen, nobody would listen to it because I mean, I'm a, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, football personality, but I got a lot of football things to say. It's the same thing. Like ask me about, you know, you ask, I, I want to know, like I, we're all fa- fans of Chad Weenan or, or Joel Hedrick or these guys. Um, so you kind of want to know like everything about what they believe. Right. So I'm all for it. I would just need, uh, need people like you to uh, sign up to supply the 10 questions every episode. Deal. I'm, I'm in, I okay. think, it'd be, I think it'd be huge. Um, you know, just, and-
3: the question's not even being everything about, you know, ATV racing and just, you know,
0: quirky, quirk, quirky stuff even, you know, yeah. yeah Yep. I'm all yep. for it. So maybe, maybe we'll have to uh, expand on that for episodes going forward. Oh, definitely. Definitely.
3: Yeah. That's uh you know, and then with that being said, I think the next, my next question would be who has been your favorite guest uh, since the,
0: Oh, oh that's tough.
3: Because <laughs> you've had you've had a, you've had a good array of you know guests and and you know whether it be you know company representatives or you know riders or you know industry moguls that type of deal you know yeah
0: yeah I mean it is it is hard because there's there's just there's so many and first of all as a, as a host or or somebody who kind of runs digging deep I mean I'm always so appreciative on on everybody's time. You know, I'm trying to give, give you kind of the corporate answer, but um, it does, it's, it's, it's time consuming, you know, to, to ask somebody for, um, you know, for a half hour, an hour, whatever, like everybody's time is, is, is valuable. Um, I guess like from the very beginning, I mean, I'm partial to Chad because Chad and I've said it on other things, um, other episodes we've done and write ups I've done. Chad started this whole thing. Like I didn't have a long, long necessarily a long term plan. It was just, hey, you know, this this idea of a podcast started to come to come together, and uh, I I basically made it because I, I wanted to tell Chad's story. I thought it was good enough to tell, um, mm-hmm. and and I thought not enough people knew the story going back. 15 20 years um, so that's how it started so I'm partial to Chad and that very first episode I mean he gave us like two hours of his time and yeah. and uh, we had no track record. We had no episodes. We had, we had <laughs> nothing to go was, off of. It was just Chad giving me his time. Now, yes, like Chad and I raced against each other, you know, or whatever. We lined up against each other, all these things. But when Chad was just going pro, like I was a little boy. So like he was, he was my hero. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Chad, especially because he put us on the map with that very first episode, but I'm also partial to, I mean, Gary Denton, who I knew nothing about as a, as a person, I just knew, you just know he's the eight time champ. And I, you know, I loved that episode we did with Gary. It was so successful. Um, and and he was just such an awesome dude. I feel like he just, he treated me like a friend right away, which was cool. It was great to hear his story. I was super pumped to expose it to the the guys that are my age or <clears throat> excuse me, or younger um, who don't didn't know the Gary Denton story? It was cool yep. to kind of get him that exposure. Like I said before, Doug Gus coming from Wisconsin, so he's a Wisconsin native, um, and and obviously, I mean, he's one of the greatest ATV racers ever. Um, I had a blast talking to him, but then I'm also partial to the guys like Dustin Wimmer and Josh Creamer, the guys of that era um, of the late two, you know, kind of two thousands, um, kind of the ending of that decade, because that was the heyday of ATV motocross and, and to have those guys from, from then same with Chad, Chad's from that same era. He's just still around, but those guys went, that was when ATV racing was so cool. That was like the, the richest, uh, era and I feel like I hold all those riders kind of to a high standard so I feel like having those guys on was fun but you know then you you, I mean I don't know you it's just so hard for me because I got so many that I like I mean Dustin Nelson was awesome because again he's a he was a supercross motocross guy then Switched to quads. It was great to have him. Our biggest episodes to date were the, you know, the pulp inspired MX versus ATV stuff and having Keith Harrison on who's, you know, uh, you know, again, a supercross motocross guy. It was really cool to have him on. I mean, he fit right in our wheelhouse and made for great content. Uh, So, so much of it has been awesome. Um, it's hard to pick just one guest, but uh you know with with every episode i try to we try to do things a little differently and uh I know i got some we got some big plans for some you know some past legends coming on you know in upcoming episodes here, so I look forward to that but uh hard to very difficult to just stake down one guy as my favorite guest, yeah, yeah, definitely and shout out to Heath for this weekend too. he looked like he had a good weekend at
3: Minios. so
0: yeah did. for for that but uh um, yeah, yeah for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, you know that kind of you know gives gives an idea as far as you know, like you're saying, for going back in time to to get a a refresh on writers and where they came from. Because, like I said, me being new, I didn't know you know some of these writers. So to go back and be able to listen to these podcasts again and find out, okay, Gust, you know, Kramer, who are they? okay? Like I got to put these two together because you know, just it's a good refresh to to learn these writers from back in the day. Well, and
0: I feel like um, I like to feel like it helps put like perspective sometimes on things that are going on now. I mean, I like to think of, I mean, it's hard to do, but you know, you, you like to like, think of, okay, like everybody loved such and such a rider, Doug Gus. Well, who's like the Doug Gus now or or whatever. Who's the Josh Creamer now, like a decade later. I like to think about it that way because, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, that's my heyday. Those were, those were like my impressionable years back then, 10 years ago or whatever. So um, I just, I feel like in our sport, so much even smaller than moto, motocross, two-wheeled motocross, there's not like this big, there's not an archive just of, of past history, um, so sometimes I, I, try to fill that void, right? Like I feel like I try to shed some light on, uh, you know, racing of the past and it's cool. Cause I can, you can post a picture from 20 years ago and then you have 50 people that comment on it. And of that, of all those people that comment, there's people dropping knowledge and it's like, I'm even learning things. And then obviously like, I know people that are liking and seeing the post, sharing the post are learning things too. So, um, you know I I really enjoy kind of uh showcasing you know the stuff from the past but that's like an off-season only thing because it's too crazy in season so uh, oh yeah that's why that's why over the next couple months I look forward to getting on some of the some of the old guys the Shane hits the Tim Fars. um hopefully we can finish up our deal with Natalie and get him back on so a lot of those guys uh will make for good listens and we got that stuff coming up so we'll uh just continue to kind of fill the void of some some atv uh some atv history trying to be trying to be the historian of the sport over here or something
3: right yeah you know it just come to mind when you uh refer to you know the the writers of the past and stuff and and learning you know these writers i had to legitimately stop and look up the video of thomas brown doing the front flip. Cause I had never heard of that before. And I'm like, there's no way like I need to see this. And I found the video and I had to post it. I posted it. <laughs> I, like, I saw that. You're kidding me. I'm like, okay. All right. I'm a believer.
0: And it's cool. It's cool. Cause it's like one of those legendary things. I mean, you see it in other sports where yeah. just some, like some happening takes on like uh, again, I'm a football guy. So you think of the, you know, the Dan Marino, fake spike, like these random things take on this legendary story, this persona yep. of their own. And it's like, that's what happened with that, with Thomas, at least for ATV people, because the, you know, he only got a handful of wins in his career, but somehow a win came on the day that he front flipped, stayed on the quad <laughs> and kept going. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It,
3: I think I, I you know, and I, I think I agree with him too. He had a co-writer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. That, uh, I, you you couldn't credit I think- you couldn't credit would, it to uh, anything else
3: yeah you you definitely you kind of look back at it and be like you know win is great but man he goes i'm glad i was riding double cuz that that <laughs> he
0: says if it was any other day he you know I was, I was standing in the tower there and i and i still to this day i remember the feeling like i couldn't believe couldn't believe my eyes that that had happened it was amazing
3: yeah yeah definitely Cool. Oh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I think that that pretty much answers what, you know, what I was thinking as far as question
0: wise and you awesome. know stuff. So it's definitely a good insight. Well, and this is cool because I feel like, you know, you have things that you think about round by round or leading up into the season. I mean, you're a guy that, you know, that looks at all the posts, just like so many of us do. Um, so I feel like the, you know, this is a blast. And I feel like that this is something that we could do going forward. I mean, if you put, you just got to keep filling those notebook pages with, uh, with, you know, questions, content, whatever. And uh, yep. we'll have to, we'll have to do this going forward, especially as uh, 2021, um, you know, kind of, kind of uh, comes up on us. I'm sure it'll be here before we know it.
3: Yeah, definitely. And you know, like when we first started talking back earlier towards Daytona, we were doing bold predictions and whatnot and yeah, I, Make a stab right now. I'm going to say Max Lindquist fifth place overall.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that would make him rookie of the year. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, okay. So if that's your top five, if that's your fifth place guy. Okay. So, oh boy. <laughs> so Chad, Chad and Joel in some way are one and two, I'm assuming that's where you yep. have it. Okay. Yep. So who's third? Oh boy. I think we're
3: going to, I think we're going to see Brandon Hogue come out strong and it's going to be a battle between third and
0: fourth with Brandon Hogue. Really? Okay. And I, and I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm obviously, I mean, Brandon spent a lot of years or a a lot of time living with us. So um, I'm a big, big Brandon Hogue fan. Uh, But the thing with Bryce, and I've said this before the thing with Bryce that makes it very hard to bet against him is his starts are so good for one and his bike riding for Baldwin that quad is as good as anybody's yep. so he's just he's got some advantages that are going to be hard for anybody else to overcome but I mean again it's hard to bet against Brandon I feel like too at times Whoa. because if he can just be consistent and not have any any bad things happen I mean his willpower his fitness his want to is as high as anybody I feel like so it'll exactly. be, uh, be really fun to watch. Well, and you look at the battle that Bryson and
3: and Hogue had at uh, is it sunset? I mean, yeah. you you look at that and you be
0: you know what? This is the way it's going to be. This well, is it, the battle it out. And it was a shame when Brandon got hurt. I mean, for obvious reasons, but it was a shame yep. as a, as fans because basically him and Bryce were at a you know it was they were tied or whatever they were very close going into those last few races and you know Brandon was so strong at the beginning of the year and he was like in this lull so you had to figure he was going to figure it out going forward you assume And, and then Bryce was you know not on a hot streak. You know, he finished fourth at Daytona. He cooled off a little bit, but then he was red hot down the stretch. I was really, yep. really looking forward to seeing how that was going to shake out because it was going to be a battle. I mean, both of those guys are two guys that uh, are not going to give up and no, they're going to push it and, and, and Bryce too. I mean, he's, he's gotten with the program with Dom over there and um, his fitness has become a strength too. And I think as he matures, it's going to only become more of a strength. So yeah. um Man, I, I feel like it's bold. Did you say, so Brandon's going to be third? Is that what you said? I, I, I think it's going to be a toss up between
3: Bryce okay. and third and okay. fourth. That, I, I think that could go either way. Okay. Um, I, I see, I see Brandon being that consistent factor, like you said,
0: yep. um, you know, it just, you know, where is it going to shake out in the end? going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch and who's so we did uh we did most improved pro we gave away that award at the yep. at the banquet west got it which i was stoked about so if i had to put you on the spot and ask you who the most improved pro for next year would be who would you go with And and points kind of outstanding. I mean, because Brandon didn't finish in points like where he, I mean, that's kind of the metric that we based it on this past year, Um, you know, and the eye test, but Brandon is going to go from outside the top 10 to he's going to skyrocket presumably. Um, So that kind of outstanding, but based on on track ability and what we saw from these guys, who's going to take a next step? Oh boy! Because, because you know, I because I think Stanfield has uh, has an argument to make there, um, and I think Allen too. I mean, he took a major, he took a major step. So, and I said this before. Maybe sh- I should articulate it again. I mean, there was two guys basically who clearly bettered themselves from last year to this year, um, and Allen was the favorite for it all year. And the wheels kind of just fell off at the end of the year when he had some, some heartache and some stuff happen. Um, but man, Alan too, like all he has to do is ride. Like he rode this year at times and yeah, and he's a top five guy. So I feel like, feel like, uh, I feel like if that's where you're going, you're going down the right road. Yep. I, I was definitely leaning towards Alan myself.
3: Um, I see him, Six spot, right tight with Max. I think that's going to be the other the other battle for that too. And I, there's going to be so many battles to watch on the track this year. It's it's going to be crazy. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be tight. You know, first
0: through eighth, I think it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, because I mean, if you're so now, you've kind of slated everybody up to the top seven, and I mean the long time sixth place finisher and finished higher than that in other races, but Wesley Wolf is always there, you know? Yep. So that, that's another guy that's going to be in that mix. I feel like, especially coming off... I, coming into 2020 i said that cody ford was going to be my most improved pro that was my prediction and yep. uh you know he had to deal with some stuff some injuries and other things other hurdles this year but that's a guy i feel like could come in again as a favorite because i mean 13th or 12th or whatever he finished in points he's better than that so that's another guy that's going to be in the running um you know next year for most improved pro yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, and you look at the points, we
3: haven't mentioned them yet, but uh, Mr. Turkey Derby himself, Nick Janusa. There you go. There you
0: go. So you, so we already heard from him on the show, um, yep. but that's a guy. So, so, I mean, he's a top five staple, like yeah, in, in this we're- year, in this year, This year, he had his back more up against the wall than ever before. Uh, He had to, again, down the stretch, I don't even know how much faith he had, and down the stretch, he pulls it off, gets back into the top five, has been fourth or fifth in every every championship he's ever been in in the pro class, which is – amazing so you know he's going to be in contention and now with you know we heard from him but with this track that he has i mean he's really thinking and i think we saw it down the down the stretch of the season but he's thinking he's going to take a major step forward and if you yep. go fourth or fifth and take a step that means you're contending for that uh you know that 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 top three podium spot so i mean and he's consistent as consistent as could be so maybe he's the the thomas brown filling you know i don't yeah. know yeah I I could I could see that for sure. I mean, like you said, the second
3: half of the season, you could definitely see a change in him. Um, you could definitely see some drive. And yeah, you know, from my point of view as a photographer, I like to I like to what I call get inside the helmet, get a close up shot, get you know look yep. at, the, at the goggles, you know, get a face shot, and you can see the focus in some of these guys, you know, the determination. And then there's days where you're like, man, he looks tired. Where's what's you know. Who's going to who's going to shake things up and Nick had the most consistent face all year. And that was I think that you know, lays lays the groundwork for why he finishes the way he does so consistently so regularly. So this coming year, uh, you know, he takes a step forward and pushes it like he's going to like I know he will. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to where, where things
0: shake out top 10 this year is, is going to be one to remember. Yeah, it's gonna be gnarly for sure. Well, Josh, I uh, this like I said before, this has been an absolute blast. So um, we're gonna to have to have you fill some more notebook pages, and we'll uh, we'll do this again, especially as we get closer to twenty twenty one. So uh, yep. save save up all of that off season content, and uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do this in the uh, you know the months going forward. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely, I appreciate you you know reaching out and uh, making this happen. Awesome, Josh. Well, thanks so much again for your time. And I look forward to getting you back on soon. That's PH3 Photos Josh Klein brought to you by DID Racing Chain and the 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Thanks, pal. No problem. Thank you. Good conversation, right? Josh adores our sport and he really appreciates the way our ATV family has welcomed him with open arms. So we're happy to bring him on. But when we were talking about Thomas's front flip and comparing it to other iconic moments in sports, I so badly wanted to bring up my guy, Aaron Rodgers, in the Motown Miracle Hail Mary play against his Detroit Lions that coincidentally took place exactly five years ago today, but I didn't because I'm an honorable host like that. Now, I want to get right into our third and final guest because this may be the best segment of the night. All right, guys, our final guest tonight is a guy who seems like he's going to be a major player in the coming years at the top level of ATV motocross. He was battling at the front of Pro-Am and dominating Pro-Mod when his season came to an early end due to injury last season. Brought to you by Manscaped and their lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping by using Digging Deep 20 at checkout. It's Mr. Zach Decker. What's up, Zach? Thanks for coming on. Stoked to talk to you finally.
5: What's going on? Yeah, I'm stoked to be on the show. So thank you for putting me on here. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we're stoked to have you. We were planning to have you on like literally when you got hurt earlier this season. We had communicated about it like the weekend prior. um, So that obviously threw a wrench into things. But you're here now. Uh, I guess start off by telling us how you're feeling and, and, and how's the body healing up?
5: So I'm feeling good. I just got released from the hospital about a week and a half ago. Um, Okay. But, man, it's just been a long road. So, um, yeah, I broke my wrist the first time, and we healed up from that. And then the second time, this time has just been, like, eight months of, you know, it hasn't been healing right. So, like, back and forth from the hospital and trying to get things right, Um, switching up diets, you know, like, trying everything we can do to get this thing, you know, healed, um, trying to get it healed before the end of race season, but you know, that didn't work out too well. So, um, yeah, we just got released a week and a half ago. Um, everything, everything's feeling okay now. Um, whipped out the stalker a little bit. So been riding that, uh, that's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, So just, yeah, just kind of getting the feel of things. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's starting to feel, starting to feel more like my wrist.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know, um, obviously everything that was going on behind the scenes with kind of some complications and stuff. Um, I thought that that was probably the wrist that you had broken before, but I also assumed that it probably wasn't just a typical heel because you would have been back by the end of the season had it been, uh, typical. So, I mean, I feel like sometimes, um, you know, the universe or, or, or whatever works itself out where maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. So maybe this way you have, you know, some more time to heal and, uh, you're just going to come back, you know, better than ever, more prepared or however you want to say it. You didn't rush the process. So at least that's not something that you have to worry about as you kind of ramp up for, for 2021.
5: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, like everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a a shame you got injured uh, for obvious reasons, but um, you were on a tear. You know, you had one, you know, you come out, you win the opening moto of Pro-Am. You, you know, you went on to win two of the first six Pro-Am motos, the six that you competed in. Uh, you ended up being the only rider to beat your buddy Max Lindquist in Pro-Am, albeit it was in some first motos, but there were some great battles there, some epic battles. Um, you know, Aonia Pass obviously comes to mind. So take me through what it was like to be one of the two 16-year-olds uh, dominating Pro-Am in your first years on big bikes, because it's pretty unprecedented. We heard from Max, you know, kind of during that time period. So I want to hear from you too. It's uh, it's pretty impressive to step off the little bikes, get on the big bikes, and, and, and be at the front of pro-am right away
5: yeah honestly it was it was so much fun um but um yeah coming from the little bikes and going to to the big bikes i mean it was it was a big step um you know that everyone's you have your people in your corner saying um you know no no you shouldn't do it you shouldn't do it and then you have your other people you know saying yeah yeah go for it go for it so you know it's like it was like kind of had to play it by ear and how I felt on the bike, um, but getting on the big bikes, I felt um, almost a lot more comfortable just right off the get-go, so, um, you know, we were putting in time with my um, motor mechanic, and we were just uh, just trying to dial in the bikes, and I felt I felt like we were ready to go pro-am, and um, so we, we made that move, and this year, we came out to Iona Pass, and, um, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. I was honestly just hoping to, to get on the box, just top three. Um, that's, that's what I was hoping for. And um, the, first, the first moto, man, we, Max and I battled it out that weekend. Like, I've never had a battle like that in my entire life. It was, it was crazy. We that passed was... each other, I think, six, six times in one moto.
0: Yeah, that was the race one of lap. The weekend. Yeah, one lap. That was the race of the weekend. Everybody was talking about it. I remember when the weekend got over, like that was the class that everybody was talking about. We got this little glimpse of the battle, and then we only saw it for, you know, ended up being for three races. But, you know, you came out at the beginning of the season. You came out in that first moto. Um, you're sprinting away, and man, it looked like you had been on that quad for, for forever. You know, it just looked like like, it, it was like, you know, I watched you ride and it was like, yeah, I mean, no shit. He's up front. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't come as a surprise, but um, when there's people that are like, Hey, pump the brakes, you know, maybe don't go to pro-am right away or don't have big expectations. That's all because I mean, we've never seen it before. When's the last time that you saw somebody, you know, previous to this move up to Pro-Am, you know, right away at 16 years old and and you're right at the front, like it doesn't happen. But I, I think more than anything, what we're seeing is that you and Max are just, different you're cut from a different cloth and that's why um you know I, I i'll be on record saying that you're you're one of the next big things in the sport because you know you came out of the gate and uh hit the ground running so um but like you said uh you know there was some crazy battles you guys were going back and forth so um man that second moto idea you Pass, i think is something that everybody's going to remember for a really long time
5: yeah that second moto man that i just remember coming off like that race and i was like holy crap man like
0: yeah
5: but yeah bringing bringing us through the race um we i don't even know i don't remember how how it really started um i think i think i might have got the whole shot um i really i forget how it worked out but um I just remember like mid race, us battling, and we were just still like still going at it. Like we were about six laps in, and we were still passing each other back and forth, still. And at this time, you know, like I'm, I'm, my pace is starting to slow down. I'm getting you know a little tired, and I see Max's pace. His pace is starting to slow down too. But I can't push any harder, you know, to beat his pace, yeah. and he can't push any harder, you know, to to be faster than i am so we're just both like you know trying our absolute hardest just to like you know beat each other i guess and um yeah and yeah that was that was so much fun and you know we came off the track and max and i are buddies so that's that's super cool that you know we can come off the track and talk about the race and uh and i don't know i just think that's uh a, that's a pretty cool thing about us
0: Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's relatively rare too, right? I mean, there's so many people uh, and not even necessarily in a negative way, but just as a competitor, um, you know, you find little edges. It's, it's hard to be buddy, buddy with, you know, maybe the person that you're battling to the death with, but uh, you know, for you guys to be so friendly for you guys to have come up through the ranks together. um, And it's probably a good thing because you guys are going to race each other until you know you guys aren't racing anymore with being the same age so uh you know the the future's bright for sure um you know we obviously with your injury we got robbed of some of those battles but there's a you know there's a there's a a ton of them to come i think but the other thing that you were robbed of i mean i feel like you have to feel like you left a title on the table because you were you know you were yarding the field um with six straight moto wins uh, to kick off the season in Pro Mod, um, I'm stoked for West Lewis. Obviously, that goes without saying. He's a deserved champion, but you had a stranglehold on that championship when you went out, so that's got to be one that stings a little bit. I'm assuming it definitely stings
5: for sure. Um, I mean, but hats off to West Lewis. Um, he deserved that one, but uh, yeah, I um, yeah, it definitely stinks. I mean coming from, you know, winning yes, winning those six motos. Um, it definitely stings, but I can't I can't really look you know, look down at it. It's you know, it happened. It is what it is and uh kinda gotta use that I guess for motivation for next year and um, you know just just gotta drive harder for you know you know I just kinda Puts it in the back of my head, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I feel like I've always felt like – Uh, at least in the last few years when you really kind of found your footing became a dominant force in the youth classes. And obviously now we're seeing it on the big bike, but you're a guy that just, I feel like has a chip on your shoulder. Like you have uh, you just have this aggression to you. You have like this look in your eye, I feel like. And uh, I mean, that's the, that's one of the things that I think, you know, pushes uh, a person like you to be, you know, so, I mean, I don't know what the word is, but you're just, you're gnarly. Like, I feel like you're going to get it done. Um, So as we look to, you know, as we look forward to, you know, your plans for, 2021 and stuff. I'm curious, you know, kind of what you're planning on because some of the class structure has now changed, right? Uh, you know, the, there is really no pro mod anymore. Um, it's back to kind of being the pro-am and pro-sport system. But from what I can gather, the pro-sport really isn't the pro-sport class that we remember from the past. It's more, I think it's more like the pro-stock class actually uh, from, what I, yeah. from what I've been told. I'm not 100% sure. So um, what do you know about the classes I guess and then and then what more importantly what's your plan for 2021
5: so to be honest you just informed me a little bit um so i knew that there was the uh, the class changes of the pro am uh pro pro sport um but i did not know about the like the pro stock
0: kind of thing Hey guys, I'm going to pause our conversation with Zach for a moment because after we recorded this segment, I didn't feel good about my lack of understanding of the new supplemental rules. So I reached out to our friend, AMA official Harv Whipple, to help clear things up. So instead of having you listen to Zach and I try to decipher it, I'm just going to tell you what I learned from Harv. The class labeled as pro sport in the supplemental rules should actually be called pro stock. It's simply a mistake and he wasn't quite sure how it got labeled as pro sport. So there's no changes to pro stock, which makes sense because the class is such a hit and the class labeled pro sport is actually pro stock. And you can expect that name to be changed back before any racing takes place. So at the top level of the sport, we have the AMA H V Pro class, of course, same as the class has been. Then we have Pro Stock, same as it was in 2020. And then we have Pro Am, which without Pro Mod, the class should be like if you would have combined the 2020 Pro Am and Pro Mod classes to make one class. Great decision by the series, by the way. Happy to clear that up for both Zach I and any of you listeners who are also confused. All right, let's hop back in. What are your plans for next year? So, um, I'd really like to race this pro
5: stock class. Um, I would like to race that, uh, pro am for sure. Um, but I, I don't, I, like I said, I don't know, you know, with these class changes, yeah, I was really confused
0: on that when I, when I first read them. So I had actually printed this stuff off. Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah. maybe Zach knows, you know, I'm thinking for a guy that's going to race him, Maybe he knows, but I wasn't in on those meetings. Uh, so I, hard to say, but I, I assumed that we had actually talked to the banquet a little bit that I knew you were going to come back and do some pro am stuff. And then uh, when you told me that you had interest in running pro stock, I feel like that makes so much sense because we saw some of those riders. I mean, Max had said it to me up and down that in his parents, his, his crew, his family, I mean, they'd, they'd said it to me that, you know, he was able to go do his thing and, and pro-am and make, you know, he's really building a name for himself, just like you did prior to the injury, just like you'll continue to do. But then when you can go out there and pro-stock and, and, and mix it up with those, you know, legend oh, yeah. of the sport, top guys, I mean, I feel like there's so much to learn there. Um, so to, you kind of, like for me, and I've kind of had this conversation with people, but like for me, you know, when, when you line up, when I lined up for pro class for the first time and having never been on the gate or ridden with, you know, these guys that were once my heroes still were my heroes at the time, really um, for you to kind of break that bridge and that mental barrier and kind of like get all those jitters out before you ever go, you know, AMA ATV pro. I feel like that makes so much sense.
5: Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly why I wanted to race it just to kind of like get those, you know, get used to racing those pro guys and those top level guys and, you know, get those like exactly like what you said, get those first jitters out. And uh, so it's not kind of like a holy crap, you know, new awakening, like, um, you know, just kind of, kind of get somewhat used to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I think that there's so much to be learned. I mean, um, there's no substitute for getting yourself on the track with those guys and seeing that pace. I mean, obviously, with the with the with the facility that you guys have, you're able to ride with fast riders, uh, probably on a regular basis, but to be on the racetrack with those top level guys, um, I feel like that experience is invaluable. So, um, you know, I think, I think you'll surely come into the pro-am class as as the favorite. Um, you're my favorite anyway. Uh, especially you know, Max has graduated. Who knows if you'll if you'll run pro-am as well? Um, I do think that there's like we talked about whatever the the intricacies of the rules are for sure. I mean, I think there is going to be more pro rider involvement. Um, you know, in pro-am, which should be good. It should help the class, and uh, I think that that's what some of the rule changes were for. But it's going to be really interesting. I feel like. Uh, feel like you're going to hit the ground running again i mean i feel like you you have such a great baseline from last season you kind of you were able to maybe it wasn't you know your your intention your first choice to take all this time off but uh it seems like you should be able to have you know all your ducks in a row and hit the ground running um like a like a caged animal or something when you finally get out on the racetrack and are able to race again
5: yeah i think um I think we I – sh- I should be pre- – I mean, I hope I should be pretty re- prepared. Um, I mean, we're going to do, I mean, the same thing, if not more than we did last year. I mean, I'm just going to put in – I mean, right now I've been putting it in the books with, you know, in the gym um, because I've just been constantly trying to strengthen this wrist um, to get it re- – because I haven't – honestly, I haven't rode my big track yet. We have uh, this intermediate track and then we have the pro track. Okay. I've just been riding this intermediate track just until you know um I feel that my wrist is like a hundred percent I mean, it is a hundred percent, but I just want it you know to give it that extra little last bit of me you know working out with it for the first month and um not not completely. Going ham on it. Um,
0: No, I mean, if you did, that would be the worst thing you could do. You just shoot yourself in the foot after all this time. You have the luxury of time. It's the beginning of December right now. So you have, you have months and months and months. And and the best thing you could do is build that up. So I'm, I mean, it's awesome to hear that, uh, that you're not just diving in kind of, uh, kind of aimlessly you're, you're building up to um, even making it on the big track and and pushing yourself that way. Um, It makes so much sense here you're laying the groundwork right now so that you can build the you know you can build off that going forward
5: exactly so exactly yep
0: yeah, it's going to be awesome. So um, it's that time of year, you know, people are figuring out where they're going to do their riding and training this off season. We've referenced it a little bit, obviously, as we've been talking here, but there's, there's no place to be, I feel like, uh, for ATV riders specifically, other than the Decker Training Facility, formerly known as County Line. Um, I know you guys have been making improvements on the daily down there. How are things looking for the months ahead down there in Florida?
5: Things are looking awesome. Um you know, we we have been putting in a lot of work uh, to the facility and um it we're really trying to shape it up. Um we've built um two other full tracks. Um a complete pit bike track Nick Jenuso was out here and he built a, a Turkey Derby setup kind of uh for our our facility out here and then uh, my dad and a few other people worked on a um like an intermediate track but it's more of a like a, a rough training track it's like pure sand and if we get a bunch of quads on there i mean that track will get like beat beat rough okay. um so it's that's like our super sandy track and then we also have a like a two and a half mile woods loop so it's um just like a gncc um track it's just barely fits a quad wide, so it's it's sick to to um go back there and work on your corners because I think that it all ties in with um with well, what dude
0: we right well, and that's a big thing because I know that i mean I've heard rumblings over the years that g n c c guys were running out of places to really be able to put their training in, so uh I would assume that that's something that you guys wanted to offer for the for the yep. woods guys too,
5: yeah, yep, absolutely, yep, that's why we built it kind of for because. Uh, The GNCC guys, yeah, we know that they don't have really anywhere to ride, so we wanted to kind of open up a place for the GNCC guys to ride and uh, quad guys, um, dirt bike guys, you know, just a a big moto family for everyone kind
0: of. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, the, the pictures, the posts and everything I'm seeing on social media, um, obviously it's apparent that you guys are are putting tons of, you know, of, of effort and time into this thing. Um, but the pictures are beautiful. I mean, I find myself like, you know, like watching the videos and scrolling up, scrolling back yeah. down so I can watch them again because it, it looks like such a blast down there. Um, so, you know, like I said, I feel like that's the, that's the place to be. Like you said, I mean, the Decker training facility, you're in Fountain, Florida down, There, we're talking pro level, uh, pro level national track, like you said, some more tracks, amateur and youth tracks, pit bike track, woods loop, mountain bike trails, and more. And then, you know, not to mention, you know, private cabins, full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage. So, I mean, you guys. they they have it all. You guys have it all. So, um, you know, people should be sure to uh, check out the Decker training facility this off season. Um, You can, you know, I'm sure you can ride with Zach. You can ride with so many others. Um, You know, I'm thinking, yeah, like I said, I feel gym. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The gym. I mean, you have everything, you have everything for somebody to go down there and, and basically prepare, you know, for their season. You have everything uh, that somebody needs. Right.
5: Yeah. We, um, that's kind of what we're trying to do is, um, have a place so people can just come here and camp out and they don't have to travel anywhere. We have the full-time gym, um, that's set up for, you know, anyone who wants to come in, who, who pays to ride, they get to use the gym. They get to use the gym. Um, we have our tracks, all of our tracks are open for everyone to ride. So we got, you know, you pay to ride and you get to ride the intermediate track, the big track, the woods loop, the pit bike track, the peewee track. You can use the, gym um now we just built a shop for a full-time mechanic so we're gonna have a full-time mechanic on site awesome we're gonna have a dyno here you guys can dine your butt your bikes like we're gonna have trying to have everything um put up washer and dryers um we're like you said we're working on cabins right now and um we have we have places to rent for you guys it's it should be a a pretty sweet um setup once it's all set and done.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a one-stop shop for people. Um I feel like there's going to be you know no excuses because I mean, you know, it, it it's expensive to, you know, I I'm a guy that stayed at other facilities but to do all the chasing around and do your laundry somewhere and and have to go to a dealership to, you know, get something looked at or worked on or whatever. I mean, all of those things add up. So to have all that, especially a gym too, like uh to have a gym, all those things at one place um it's the place to be not to mention i mean um i feel like that you're going to find tons of top atv racers of all demographics there because i mean obviously we know atv racing is a family um, but you know, ATV racing, I feel like as a whole, the ATV community wants to support a place like, you know, your facility, support uh, people like you guys that are making a, a very ATV centric. I mean, yes, you're, you know, you're motorcycle friendly, obviously too, but you're ATV people. So um, this is a place where ATVs are always going to be involved, always going to be, you know, kind of or centered around. And um, this is a place, your facility is a place that not only do, should everybody want to be there, but we should all want support it as well
5: exactly and that's that's kind of exactly like like you like i've said again i mean this is why we built it for to help the quad community um because i mean we all know the quads don't have as money uh have as many tracks as the dirt bikes have to ride so we're trying to just put out for the quad community and help help uh help grow the quad community more
0: yeah. Is that where the idea came from? I mean, did it come from you not necessarily having a, a place that, you know, you could go and were comfortable with? Cause I know you were at, um, you were at Orlando, I think one time when I was down there, cause I remember talking to your dad, but where did the idea come from to, 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 you know, kind of take over County line and, and, and start the Decker training facility?
5: So actually crazy story. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> my dad, my dad swore
5: up and down we were never gonna we had we used to own a track like about a mile away from my house. Just like a little backyard track. Okay. And he swore up and down, you know, since we didn't have that anymore. We're never gonna get a track again. It's way too much maintenance. Like like we have to worry about watering it and you know, I have my job at home, like I can't I can't buy a track somewhere else and do all this. Like like no way. I'm never ever gonna buy a track. Nope, like like okay. we'll just blah, blah blah so we can't we always you know come down to Florida to ride to ride every year to train like everyone else does and we came down uh this this past year and we came down to county line we've been here in the past and I've i really liked this track and uh came here this year and we saw four sales sign on it we're like what the heck and um and my dad like didn't seem really interested in it at all, but I kept like throwing it out there, like, "Hey, dad, you know the tracks? The tracks for sale. The tracks for sale. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know they, they probably, you know they probably have a good price for the track. Tracks for sale. And so, long story short, um, he talked to them, and uh, long process, but we got the track, and um, and we're here now, and putting. So basically, I don't know <laughs> why we really got the track. Um, honestly. I really he, we wanted it for a place to uh to train and then yes there's there's really no places for quad quad guys to ride and especially back home in PA um and you know it gets cold and there's no places there for for the quad guys to ride at all I mean the closest place for me to go is 3 hours away okay and it's it's not even you know it's not even that great of a track okay. um but um yeah so we just and and You know, for the quad guys alone, there's not really that many places out there, so that's, yes, exactly. We kind of just wanted a place for, uh, to help the quads.
0: Oh, that's funny. I, I'm glad I asked because, uh, it's, it's cool to hear dad saying, um, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this ever again. We're not going to own a track ever again. And now you're going all, you know, um, more all in than ever, but I feel like that's to the benefit of, of ATV, uh, ATV, you know, riders, racers as a whole. And I mean, obviously for you, um, I mean, there's no substitute for riding time. So as you you kind of grow into your career and and become a pro and all these things, all the great things that are ahead for you. um, It's going to be a huge advantage to you to have such a, such an amazing place in your back pocket.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to be able to wake up every morning and I'm just, I'm at a motocross track. It's like, I cannot thank my, my family enough, especially my dad. I mean, for everything that he's, he's done um, it's, it's awesome. It's it's really cool to be able to wake up and be out a track and, and uh, you know have a gym and have everything you need to to you know have a full training facility in your backyard that's uh it's
0: pretty awesome. Um,
5: I would ass- I just, I would you know,
0: assume I would assume too that it it's exposed you to a lot of things you know, just like owning a business. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that you're responsible for tons of things there and and stuff. So I'm I'm assuming that there's stuff that you're going to learn and you're learning throughout this whole thing that, uh, you know, 99.9% of 16 or 17 year old dudes don't know.
5: Absolutely. So yeah, my dad, my dad has to be back home in PA to run his business at all times. Um, Okay. So uh, he, he, he comes down here, like, the weekend and stuff. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's me and my mom and uh, we have, we just hired our, our track groomer because um, our, our other track groomer passed away um, earlier this season. And so um, our, our, it's just me, the track groomer and my mom. And we are, we're out there every morning and um, you know, we're prepping the track and then my mom's out, my mom's up, um, checking everyone in. And then after we prep the track, I'm in the gym and I'm trying to get my stuff my stuff done for the day. Um, and then, you know, after all that we're back on the back on the dozer for like the last two hours of, of sunlight. And, uh, and then we're back at it again in the morning, just pizza process.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. The Decker Training Facility, obviously the place to be. I appreciate, um, you know, I know that you, uh, like you said, you got a lot of stuff going on. So I appreciate you making yourself available for us, telling us about uh, the the you know the track, the facility, all the growth that's going on there. And I'm super stoked to hear that you're getting healthy, you're getting back on the machine, and uh, I think that 2021 is going to be huge for you. So um, you know, we're excited to see you flourish next season. I'm excited to get down there and check out that track sometime soon. And and uh, with all the success ahead, I'm sure that this is just the, the first of, of many appearances for you on, on Digging Deep.
5: Well, thank you. And I appreciate you having me on the show here tonight.
0: Yeah, man, I I, I, I really appreciate it. So um, you're welcome back anytime. And as we get closer to the season and as the season unfolds, I think that you're going to be making a serious mark. So we'll uh, we'll get you back on for sure. Sweet. Thank you.
5: And once again, I, I appreciate it. Um and for everyone everyone listening, come
0: check out the track. Uh, should be a pretty good time this, this year. Awesome, man. That's rising star Zach Decker brought to you by Manscaped. Use discount code Deep 20 for 20% off at manscaped.com. See you soon, buddy. Thanks again. Fun episode tonight, guys. From TRX 90s to serious topics within the sport with Nick Janusa, bench racing, speculation, and answering some questions with Josh Klein from PH3 Photos, and talking to Zach Decker about coming back from injury, his 2021 plans, and the Decker training facility. Major thanks to all of tonight's guests for joining us. Thanks as well to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother who always finds the time, Thanks to Brooke, thanks to AMA official Harv Whipple, thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, shop.csttires.com, Yamaha, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, and Motorsports, the Decker Training Facility, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Avocado Green Mattress, Roman Health, Factory 43, and Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find them on our website and be sure to click the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner to help us out while you're there. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. If you're interested in show merchandise, digging deep shirts, hoodies, and more make for great gifts this holiday season and are available with free shipping on our website today. And if you're looking for another easy way to support our efforts, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. By doing so, this allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to help us out. Major thanks to Kevin Harris for the recent support and kind words. He mentioned that him and his son enjoy the show and bond over digging deep. And man, does that make us proud. Thanks so much, guys. Remember that you can call our voicemail line, 920-569-3519. Give us a call today and you may hear yourself on an upcoming episode. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content this offseason. And keep taking us in those screenshots showing that you're listening. I promise to keep sharing them. It's a simple and effective way to help us grow, and we really appreciate it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Basically, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. You can also find all of our episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our show merchandise, and more all on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. As always, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts, wear our shirts and hoodies. Featured guest on our previous episode, Thomas Brown marries his longtime girlfriend-slash-fiancee, Brandy Cottage, this weekend, so congrats to that couple. And with that, for Nick Janusa, Josh Klein, Zach Decker, Dallas Jansen, Brooke Catherine, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV Racing, a million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. <laughs>
1: For
3: real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel
0: City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then at Steel City. I
1: I, I would need to check this out. I'm
0: dead serious. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast.
1: It's not easy, Steve. It's not easy. Listen, JB, I <laughs> no, don't want to hear. It's, it's not easy. I don't want to hear. Wodders are freaking nice.
4: You don't like too big red. Th- what the?
0: <laughs> you. Support for the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, providing you the best tools for your grooming experience. It's time to gear up and get the gift or give the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped perfect package 3.0 included in this brand new perfect package which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season is manscapes new and improved lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created features an anti-accident cutting edge ceramic blade long lasting battery waterproof technology, and an LED light feature to illuminate grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 includes literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. Trimmers, deodorants, moisturizers, boxers, and more all included in this package. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped perfect package 3.0 get 20% off plus free shipping with code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com your balls will thank you get 20% off and free shipping with the code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code digging deep 20 <laughs>